Wrestling Geeks doing out there uh saturday recording huge bomb or 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 a couple bombs big one in the middle of it dropped yesterday on friday friday that we will all remember friday july 22nd 2022 the day that smackdown aired and that's it that's all that happened. So to join me on this adventure of talking about SmackDown from last night and also AEW and probably a couple other things, as always, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, how are you doing, sir? My wonderful co-host with the Mo-host. <laughs> I'm doing well. I overslept this morning, as you know, and uh, wiping the wiping the coals up my eyes, as uh, Biggie would say. But outside of that, I uh, had a pretty good week. Watched a ton of wrestling. Watched some Impact this week. Caught back up on that, so that was fun. Uh, been trying to keep up with the G1, and uh, I'm up to season 13 on King of the Hill, the King of the Hill update. So <laughs> I'm almost done. Uh, how was your week, Dane? What have you been up to? What have you been watching? Um, not a too like I'm trying to think of like television wise. I haven't been watching a lot of TV. I mean, I kind of crammed four different shows and finished them all around the same time. So I've been watching some movies, and for some reason, whenever that happens, I go back to a genre. Um, and I, I'm I'm an elegant horror fan. I like elevated horror. Chris, uh, I actually love all horror, but I really do like 1970s horror movies and. Uh, I went back to a 1968 classic with Rosemary's Baby. Well, I haven't watched that probably since I was in high school or middle school. Um, and then I also watched uh, The Omen for the first time in years. I watched Ready or Not, a newer, fun, kind of Clue-esque horror movie. Um, I watched The Visit uh, from Ed Knight Shyamalan, one of his better movies, I will say. Uh and it's crazy because it's a shaky cam movie, but it's not really shaky, so I'll give them that. I've just, uh, you know, been trying to, since I don't really dream, I don't know if it's marijuana, I'll admit that, or something else. But I, I haven't really had a really full realized dream or nightmare in a very long time, years. Um, so I guess I'm just trying to mess with myself to see if I can uh, cause a nightmare to happen because the stuff that I always – currently watch one of the two of the most in-depth so- subjects with a lot of these movies uh if you want to call it elevated horror that's fine uh is either demons in possession ghosts that whole concept satanic cults or serial killers and i'm not talking about as much as i love slasher films but like actual things like that and stuff that actually kind of messes with me in real life but 
Chris, I don't have any horror movies, so I think I'm broken as a human being. Or, or horror nightmares, <laughs> I should So I hadn't had any in a very long time. I have very boring dreams. Karen says I have the most boring dreams. Like, my dreams are dumb shit. Like, my idea of a terrible dream or a scary dream, uh, one that's been reoccurring for me for a long time, is I'm in net and playing in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup, and Wayne Gretzky's just fucking scoring 15 goals on me, and everyone's booing me and throwing shit. That's that's a common one I've had. That's, uh, <laughs> that's not even a... <laughs> uh, but I... You know, the one that the thing that gave me like a little bit of nightmares and creepy feelings and weird dreams, Karen's been watching it lately, is Westworld. I guess my brain just took that concept and ran with it. And uh, yeah, that, that gave me some, I can see some, some, some creepy dreams. But uh, I, I actually rewatched Rosemary's Dream yeah, three or four weeks baby? ago, I want to say. Or Ro- Rosemary's Baby, sorry. We were talking about dreams. Uh, I, I rewatched that three or four weeks ago because it got brought up a lot on the offer. Because I guess that was one of Paramount's first big films. And I was like, oh, I haven't watched that since, like, high school. I should go back and check that out. It's a great movie. It's been forever since I had seen it. Um, yeah, but same. It didn't really didn't really tick, get my goose or anything. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like you've been watching some good stuff. M. M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of him. Could you imagine with uh, shaky cam style movies if uh, Bruce Pritchard got a hold of that? <laughs> oh god kevin dunn i think he invented oh, yeah, Ke- it kevin. yeah kevin dunn sorry can we yeah. while, while we're on air can we get a, a twitter update from some news story that kevin dunn has officially uh decided to leave wwe because that's a rumor going on right now and uh i just want a confirmation that that'll be oh. a good, good happy story among all this shit uh but yeah man uh Rosemary's Baby is a very well-done horror movie, and I mean, you had Alfred Hitchcock specifically in the early 60s, late 50s, uh, and then that came out and really pushed some boundaries, and the 70s went down a a course of a lot of intelligent horror movies, some that obviously were somewhat of a rip-off of either The Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby, but just trying to think of some stuff. Uh, in a different light. And then great directors like William Freakin and Stanley Kubrick and uh, Richard Donner uh, with The Omen um, and all these other great directors jumping on projects uh, in the 70s. And then the 80s got fun, just like they did with music. Uh, 90s went down a certain course, some good, some bad. And I think that right now we are on, and we've talked about this on the show, a hill of directors that are very respectful, that are instead of their big directors with now going into horror into the 70s and and using that to really elevate, once again, that word, um, their directors that start out with horror and are trying to branch off from that and create great movies outside of the horror genre, like Ari Aster and, uh, you know, just an array of different talented uh, individuals. So it's just it's just weird. Uh, and I would say if, if you like two movies specifically for different reasons, if you liked Hereditary from Ari Aster or if you liked Mother, from Darren Aronofsky, Rosemary's Baby is literally the themes of those two movies originally in a movie. And it's slow, slow burn. I think it's two in two hours and 15 minutes, I believe. But that ending, and I knew it was coming because it's so iconic, uh, was still resonated with me years later. 
yeah, it's it, like I said, it was a great film. It, it was fun rewatching it. I don't know that I would have even ever thought of it again, honestly, though, if it wasn't for the offer and them constantly bringing it up because they're like, if this uh, this Godfather thing bombs, <laughs> I don't know that we have another Rosemary's Baby to pull it, pull our balls out of the fire. Basically, is like one of the comments. That's a great show, also. I watched that a few weeks back, but uh, yeah, great film. I think you summed it up perfectly uh, with those comparisons. So. Uh, man, I don't see anything here about Kevin Dunn or, or Bruce Pritchard getting fired per Son Ross, Meltzer, or Alvarez. <laughs> so I guess we will find out well, more. At least, at least Bruce is, uh, he's not obviously, he was the inter, interim, um, the, the fucking position that Triple H has back now, uh, cause John Laurinaitis lost it. Um, but I, apparently he didn't even want to be that. From what I'm hearing though, Shawn Michaels is now lead in charge of NXT and Bruce works with him. So if that's and, – and from what Brian Alvarez says, certain things about NXT has gotten better. I can't get myself to watch it on a Tuesday. But maybe if this is all true, and especially with the rest of the news uh, that dropped yesterday, maybe I'll try out NXT again. I just – I don't know. Mm, it's going to have to take something drastic for me to – try out NXT with the current roster and the way it's been booked for the past three or uh, two months, I want to say, because I've tuned in and watched a couple things. I've even sent you messages while I'm watching it. I'm like, what the hell is going on on this product? And I'm uh, just like, why are you watching it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like a curiosity at this point. You know, like with Raw, I kind of know what I'm going to get. So if I if I decide to sit down and watch the full three hours of Raw on a Monday night, um, it's like my body's prepared for it. With NXT, there's still that shock and disappointment of like, what did you do to my my show? I used to love this. Uh, so I'll give it a shot. If Triple H is back and he starts moving talent around, I think there's people they could send back down to the NXT roster. Hopefully that will, with him being the head of ta- talent relations, and if Sean is really in charge, maybe that will help them somehow figure out a way to keep Io Shirai and a couple of the other big names that were up for leaving um it's gonna be interesting that's what i'm wondering and uh one thing that is very positive very quickly after this uh they or wrestling observer dropped this morning that max dupree uh la knight the former la knight he is cut out of that whole entire concept uh that's why they brought out whatever the name of the female that's i think his sister or cousin or whatever the fuck is now still involved with that but um, I don't know if that means that LA Knight's going back to NXT or if Triple H is like, get this motherfucker a microphone and let him get himself over. But I think this brings us, Chris, to the big subject itself. Uh, it seems like there's some change, uh, changes uh, happening. Uh, you know, Vince still – we all know the news and what I'm alluding to and what I was joking about at the beginning. Vince has stepped down completely, uh, even out of uh, – <laughs> For we're supposed to believe creative, um, even though obviously Stephanie, who is now co-CEO with Nick Khan, um, she's going to be somewhat his his voice, if you will, his influence. Uh, but officially, he's done. And we're going to go over what he said on Twitter, what was reported to, you know, uh, at least what, what the WWE's um, – actual official statement from him was 
and uh, just really delve into this because earlier in the day, uh, we found out that Triple H has his old position back of head of talent relations and whatever else that entails. Um, you know, it was talked about, I think, Thursday that the whole concept that Shawn Michaels is now kind of pretty much in charge of NXT. Uh, so curious of what happens with Bruce Pritchard. John Laurinaitis is gone. I'm sure he'll have a nut, wonderful gold parachute to take him right towards the fucking ground, though. Uh, but, Chris, I, I mean, I think that all of us thought, I mean, John Moxley said it the best, I believe, that, you know, and this is, he said it's not a slight defense, but he feels like that he's not going to stop until he's hunched over the fucking desk in gorilla position and just completely kills over because that's how dedicated, but... You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, sex scandals can uh, really do some uh, some damage to head CEOs. And yes, Vince does still own a majority stock within the company, but it really seems like, and we'll, like I said, we'll go into detail. This is the end of Vince uh, as as far as the head figure within WWE. And I don't know if he woke up. Found out some information the Wall Street Journal's about to leak uh, to add on to all the other shit uh, and decided, all right, I need a fucking, what am I doing? Steph, you got to do this. Nick, you're in charge of this. Fucking Triple H, you know, help out with the whole wrestling department. Uh, but I need to get the fuck out of the spotlight. So this is going to tank stock regardless because the CEO is stepping down. But, you know, that's a big thing uh, with the rest of the board is, could something come out, uh, and I'm, and it already has happened with the past stuff, that could tank our stock, you know, and and really hurt us. So, what do you think about all this? Because this is still shocking. How about that? I'll end it end it like that. Shocking. Oh, can you believe that we live in a world where Vince McMahon has retired in quotations, and Ric Flair is about to have a fucking wrestling match? <laughs> Under Crockett Promotions. <laughs> and the card's really good. We'll be going over it next week uh, because I'm looking forward to watching it. But yeah, dude, fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Let's see. There's a lot to unpack with this. So the way I took this is like you were talking about there. To me, that means that there's something else that's about to come out. That's that's. I don't want to say worse because I think all of the stuff we've heard so far has been pretty terrible. But there has to be something that they think would highly affect contract negotiations with Fox or USA and NBC, Peacock. Um, so it seems like that would be the reason that he retired, because the thing is, is because he's a majority stockholder, uh, I think he owns 80 percent of the voter stock. Right. There's not really a way that he actually retires. He's still going to be sitting his ass on the board. I think this just means like from creative and not being associated necessarily with the product directly. But it's also hard to believe when his daughter is right now the interim um, vice president or president of the company. It's kind of like, oh, OK, well, you're telling me this and we're doing a public face and he's sending out these uh, messages. But to be fair, three weeks ago, you told me. Hey, he's uh he's no longer the head of the board or whatever and but don't worry guys, he's still in charge of creative. So, I'm going to believe it when I see it. Vince retiring, I think it's very much like Moxley was saying the only way 
uh, Vince actually retires if he's hunched over dead. But it's it is weird. Uh, I think it's cool that you know Triple H is coming back. He's coming back in a very stressful manner with everything that happened because you sent me that news on Friday. Uh, they wait till the stock market closes, and then Vince announces his retirement on Twitter, and then yep. sends a really weird talent email, which looks like you know someone way younger wrote it. I think it even has an LOL in there. <laughs> um, yeah, he was just, joking about how he's such a uh, docile, uh, you know, non-speaking person uh, in gorilla position, doesn't say anything. Like he was making some jokes, Chris. But it's funny because I think it's the exact same thing as the official statement that he dropped on WWE with more stuff, basically, and not making it like it was out to each person, like personal for the uh, the staff. So I don't know. I, I'm sure he didn't fucking write it, but I'm sure that he had some type of influence on it. But can you can you can you give us like we're gonna do this like a 30 minute check every so often to find out if if uh, if um, Bucky Beaver got fired? Just do that for me. Yes, I will. I, I got Meltzer pulled up here and, and Sean Ross Sap. <laughs> we will we will keep a lookout on this as we go through the show. But don't, um, don't record shaky cam movies for horror, Kevin. Fuck off. <laughs> Do you like camera cuts? How about I put some camera cuts in your camera cut so you can camera cutting while you're camera cutting? Uh, no, all, all joking is. <laughs> It's weird, man. I never thought that Vince would be retiring or at least not announcing it on Twitter. It's going to be it's going to be odd to see what they do. I watched SmackDown and there seemed like there was absolutely no changes at all and it was the same show. The only thing that was crazy oh. there is after Vince retired, we had rumors that Brock was like, "Nah, fuck it," and just left the building. <laughs> right? But he still showed up at the end. Yeah. So specifically so, with that, I'll, I'll throw it right back to you, and I'll give you my answer beforehand, but there's three ways I see that. Either it was maybe false reporting or you know wrong information, um, or, I mean, I guess Triple H could have been like, hey, Brock, let's make a splash. You go do this and fucking cause a stir, make a big scene outside, you know, and then we'll have you come back, or legitimately – Brock Lesnar left, and what was reported is that Vince apparently got, you know, in contact with him and was like, hey, I would not want you to do this. Like, this is not, you know, do this for me. If if, if you're leaving for me, I don't want you to do that. Come back. Or nothing happened at all, like I said, and this was just a false reporting uh, from someone in the company that gave that to whoever. But, yeah, Brock was still in the main events. I don't know what happened between those situations. I'm just wondering if, you know, Michael Cole, if, if if Brock didn't come back, if he would have gotten on the mic and said that Brock Lesnar has let down the fans and the same treatment, essentially, they gave Sasha Naomi and also Austin before that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of lean towards Paul Heyman was coming up with, hey, well, let's let's make this into a big deal in a story and help pop the rating either even further for SmackDown. That's one of my guesses. The other is maybe Vince had made some promises to Brock and with him stepping down or retiring, Brock was like, fuck. Um, okay. And just left. <laughs> Cause we don't know, you know, how much of Brock's contract is on paper and how much it's Vince being like, 
behind the scenes or a handshake deal type thing. Maybe Brock felt like he was going to get fucked out of some money with Vince stepping down. So I, I would say it's more than likely one of those two things. Um, does make a lot of sense with the minds that are there knowing, you know, we can really fuck with the public if if Brock puts out, you know, a single tweet saying or, or you know, if information gets leaked to the wrestling observer uh, that he's just left the building. It's also or very if you see this giant, giant white gorilla fucking, you know, going through the parking lot to go to his car and fucking just like raising a fuss and like bystanders or people that are going into the wrestling thing are like, oh, my God, Brock Lesnar is fucking leaving. I mean, who knows? I have no idea. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that, you know, that's very possible, too. Maybe he just had a headache and wanted to go back to the hotel and it became a way bigger deal. <laughs> Than it should have been, uh, but everything coming damn, on the kid. cusp of <laughs> everything coming on the cusp of this Vince McMahon news, of course, is going to have a huge reaction. But like I said, I mean, tuning into SmackDown, it's it, it's like you didn't like there was no discernible difference at all in the product yet. So we'll just have to continue to watch how it unfolds. But SmackDown did its usual SmackDown thing, which is show me the same three or four matches, and uh, yeah. I, I yeah, know, I think. Man. Oh, sorry. I thought that that you uh, finished, but um, uh, I mean, I think the the things that once again, guys, if it's if it's from a source like Sean Ross Sapp or a PW Insider, obviously the the Observer, I'm going to take that a little bit more, like I believe it 100%. But there were rumors that, um, essentially Vince was a part of this creative for SmackDown. That was the last that he touched. The only thing that will prove that really is if. Next week is uh, any different uh, stylistically. Um, and who knows? Uh, the only thing that resembled something I haven't seen in wrestling, and we'll get to it when we get to SmackDown, is causing some stir, and then the wrestler goes after the other wrestler in the back, and they have like a little bit of a brawl. I hadn't seen that in a minute, but I'm sure it still happens quite often. But the other thing that I'm hearing is that apparently to Stephanie and to Triple H specifically – after SummerSlam, that's when things are going to head to a different direction creatively. Um, and one of the things that kind of adheres to that, I would say, Chris, you know, we talked about this last week, or not last week, but the week before that. We're about to change from PG-14 or PG to PG-14, uh, which actually is a big deal if we're getting different creative uh, now. And I don't know what the creative team or people will look like. Um I'm hoping that if, you know, Nick Khan beforehand was looking for wrestlers to get rid of, Triple H is like, why don't you let the wrestlers handle it, get the seasoned writers, and get rid of the rest? And I don't want people to lose their jobs, but I'm just saying, if we go back to more of a tight-knit wrestling concept, maybe you can uh, save some money that way. Uh, and I don't know what Hunter's going to do or how much power he has. His wife is now co-CEO. Uh, Nick Khan is the other CEO of the company, so... We'll see, but if that happens, we have PG-14 instead of PG, and the draft happening very soon in September. It's going to be I'll, – I'll believe it when I see it, like you said, but I am going to be looking to see what the fuck happens specifically after SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to go back to Brock Lesnar, but – when, when we were hearing those rumors yesterday, the first thing I thought is, what the hell is going to be the sm this SummerSlam main event? Because <laughs> that's that's all they were building to. Uh, it, it's 
I hope that the change is for the better. I mean, we like you were talking about with the PG-14, um, with them going to that, at first when I heard that, it was just, oh, they're going to let the wrestlers cuss because <laughs> that's kind of handcuffed them in comparison to some of the, you know, the AEW promos, which yeah, I think AEW kind of leans into their cussing a little much at times. But that that's what I thought it was. I, I still don't know that they're going to, you know, start doing blood, like, you know, blood baths or you know, barbed wire matches like some other companies out here, but making the product a little more edgy, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for WWE if they don't go overboard. Um, I, the, I guess when you're, when you're looking at it with Vince being gone from creative, if, if this is a hundred percent true and not just throwing that information out there to throw it out there, there's a few names that come to mind that would i think should step up um or people that they could rehire if they need some help with booking etc you got you got sean there you got triple h still um paul Heyman, double j himself and uh another one that i would maybe bring back into the fold that they had talked about doing something with is gabe sapolsky but it's going to be interesting to see what starts coming out of that like how how much of it still feels like a written TV show versus a wrestling show uh, after SummerSlam. Yeah, I love your idea and everyone you said basically uh, Gabe's a good idea. And that's the thing, you know, if I'm Hunter and I had a good relationship with them, I'm calling up on the side for both, especially Sasha, but also Naomi and being like, look, we're going to have some changes I want to I want to work this shit out with you guys. Stephanie wants to work this shit out with you guys, you know, and try to n- not get them to go to fucking AEW, basically. And I know from what Sasha has said about Triple H, she definitely respects him more than Vince. I mean, even though it was really weird, Bailey posted uh, "Goodbye Boss" and had a picture of her and Sasha when they won the inaugural Women's Tag Team Championships hugging Vince, and I know that there's a lot to that story that we don't even know, but I would be trying to. LA Knight, you're back. Fuck Max Dupree. I know you can do better than that. If not, help out with the uh, NXT. Do this. Sean, you try to get people back into this. You know, I'm sure, like, there is a reason that those two were put back, Stephanie and Hunter, and, you know, the fact Nick Khan is now co-CEO, um, business-wise, that's very intelligent. He understands that aspect. I mean, all these choices make sense uh, creatively. And yeah, if you're if you're gonna get rid of people, newer TV writers, people that have no association with wrestling. If you're a writer that is seasoned, that has been there for a long time, even if you came out of TV, you know, maybe keep some of those individuals. But yeah, it would be it would be maybe a big Gabe Sapolsky, but definitely Paul, definitely Hunter. Uh, definitely, you know, uh, Jeff Jarrett, who's already there. Um, well, and beforehand he was head of basically, uh, that concept creative, uh, which is crazy. Maybe get a road dog back because we do know that SmackDown was doing better when he was in charge of it before, for some reason, Vince got rid of him. He went to NXT and they got fired it, you know, um, another person undertaker, he's already talked and he's already been at NXT at the performance center trying to help out and give some advice to some of the students there, you know, creatively, you can get the shit better. 
with people that were a part of the eras, you know, within, I guess, the 80s, but also obviously the late 90s, uh, and try to take it in some different directions and use and implement some of the things that helped you when you were at that place. So, I mean, they got talent in WWE. We've never said they don't. What's hindered them is the PG rating and formatting it the exact same fucking way every week. And some of these stupid comedy segments that are right up Vince's alley when it comes to comedy. If you can change us and if, if, if Triple H is allowed to use what he had with NXT and bring it to the larger audience on Raw and SmackDown um, and has some of these creative minds to help him out, um, who knows what can happen. I would even, since Nick Khan's best friends with Dwayne Johnson, maybe keep him as a consultant, a creative consultant, um, see if, if you can tickle his brain uh, in either business event ventures or also with the creative it, it it maybe even fucking talk to Austin, have him be another one. I think all that type of shit is important. Hogan too, who knows? But Cena too, you know some of the bigger minds when it comes to wrestling. And also, if you want to bring in a Dutch Mantel, or if you want to bring in whoever that was a wrestler previously in the 80s and 70s, but really helped work certain different companies, I think all of that can help and get them out of this creative hole that they weren't able to do when Vince was completely in charge of creative. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I wonder how much is actually going to change. I'm still, I, I don't know if I'm shell-shocked or what, but it's kind of just, it's really hard. It's really hard for me to believe that Vince is just completely disconnected and actually retired. In quotations, unless something else drops this weekend or Monday morning, that's gonna maybe possibly put this guy in jail. Um, you know, if if they can figure, if they find out that he somehow paid off people with company money versus his own personal pocket, for instance, then that becomes a whole another set of problems for Vince. Because um, I mean, technically, that would be a form of embezzlement. One would think. So that would be something that could go to court, which is kind of what I was expecting to wake up and read today is that there is some other news article that is setting up this path. But you named some great names there. People like, you know, Dutch Mantel, um, like I was saying earlier, Gabe Sapolsky, or even the people that they already have there at Triple H, uh, Paul, Paul Heyman. I mean, they have good minds there. Okay. And I think if you if you go back and look at what NXT was until they decided to have a gun race with or an arms race with AEW for no reason and went live. Uh, it was one of the best wrestling products out there with really good talent um, in really good matches each week. And the one thing that NXT did that was very, very good is they had fucking wrestling matches. <laughs> so maybe they will format their shows to have, I don't know, more wrestling matches on the wrestling show. That'll probably go a long way in itself. No, I, I agree with you, and uh, I feel like they've been trying to do that a bit more, but it's actually with some of the matches, you know, we've seen Austin Theory and AJ Styles. At one point, that was a big deal because we all know that Austin Theory is influenced by fellow Georgian AJ Styles, but they didn't mean anything because the storyline sucked. So there's even that level of being able to provide 
you know, reasons for us to care if you're going to put on these matches. And I think AEW does a better job most of the time with that. I think that NXT did a better job with that. So, like I said, um, I don't really want to go too far down this. One of the rumors going around, Chris, is what possibly could leak was from an interview done not too long ago with, I believe, Paul London, where he claimed that he visually witnessed several times Vince McMahon harassing harassing the late uh, Ashley Massaro. And we do know that, unfortunately, she's no longer with us. Um, And we've all heard rumors of other stuff involved with her that's disgusting, that's never been confirmed. Um, I don't know if Paul saying this led to, say, the Washington or um, the the Washington. What's what's the outlet that uh, has been covering all this? It was the Wall Street Journal originally, right? They're the Street ones that's Jer- kind of been. Yeah. So I don't know if they found out any information, but that's definitely a rumor that Paul might have, you know, led them down that route. And uh, there's a lot of really fucked up shit involved in that whole situation. So if it's not embezzlement, that could also be something else. Unfortunately on the rise is any confirmation on what we heard beforehand. And I really hope that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, Paul London's that, that specific interview, he has some damning things to say about Vince McMahon and it in general. Uh, It's so hard to tell with Vince. He's made so many enemies over the years. It's, are people piling on because this stuff is coming out or is, it, or is he just a fucking terrible person person? I think this, let's, let's say that it's about, you know, 70, 30 him. He's a terrible person. And maybe 30% is people piling on. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised that this stuff is coming out about Vince. He's never been a lo- lovable character as far as outside and his wrestling Uh, his wrestling doings. I mean, this is a man that fired like 20 people at Christmas during COVID. So (laughs) I don't necessarily think that, you know, Vince is the, the nicest person of all time. So I'm not surprised by this at all. I I am curious to see what else is coming out. And we've been, I think that's been the big thing about this story since it started is like, okay, it started out with one person for what was it? $4 million. And then, now we're at $12 million. Like what else in, in multiple people, uh, they have these uh, similar NDAs. And and then we go back to the story of him uh, being accused of raping the first female ref in WWE history back in the day that, that all of that started rearing its head. And now what else is coming out of, out, out of this, I guess. Um, it's interesting to listen to people like Cornette talk about it and some of the older people that have worked with Vince because it's almost like they're in a state of shock to some yeah. extent of of Vince McMahon that they knew and worked with versus like the shit that's coming out now about Vince McMahon. So I wonder billionaire Vince, tra- uh, public traded company Vince, right? And hey, what was right around that time? All that fucking disrespectful shit with Trish Stratus. You know, barking like a dog and all the other shit that all the storylines with Stacey Keebler. I mean, that was right after that and right where stuff apparently besides that ref thing started. So 
I guess he went back to high school in his fucking, what, 60s? <laughs> hey, my fellow kids. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It, that That's going to be really hard to go back and watch now with all of these other stories. Like, if we're rolling back through Raw at any point in time and he's got Stacy Keebler crawling across the ring and barking like a dog, that's going to be a uh, – or not Stacy, Trish. That's going to be a hard rewatch at this point, right? Like – yeah, well, Stacy gave him a fucking lap dance in the goddamn ring. We've all seen the memes of her putting her legs up on him and him falling back. I mean, that's where <laughs> that comes from. So he literally had to tell them, "Hey, this is what you're going to be doing tonight." I so, don't mean to. I don't mean to laugh, but you know, <laughs> when I saw that originally, I did think that was funny. As a, I guess I would have been like 12 or 13 when that happened. Yeah, but we all. It's it, he's ruining my childhood by being a terrible person, Dane. <laughs> and then <laughs> we've heard the rumors of Christy Hemi. We know about the female wrestler. That's apparently not that situation uh, that we heard last time. You know, the whole giving him head and then uh, him paying her a large amount when she didn't want to do it again, getting her the fuck out of the company. And I don't know who the hell that could be, but apparently that's not that other situation. And, you know, everything else that we're finding out. He spent more money, way more money, apparently, on women and doing deceitful shit that we're also hearing, Harvey Weinstein-level shit, spent way more money on NDAs than he did on ECW and fucking WCW. Ooh, he really did. I forgot that like he bought WCW and its entire tape library for less than these NDAs. <laughs> I think it was I think it was eleven million dollars, Chris, if I'm not mistaken. I could, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Jesus fucking good. That's insane. Um, but hey, no one ever said that AOL and Time Warner <laughs> merging together didn't make dumbass decisions. I bet they kind of wish they were still sitting on that tape library. Yeah, no shit, man. Um, uh, all right, let's uh, let's go over a couple comments from people on the Twitters. I was doing this all last night to find out what people were saying. I don't I don't know how to turn off on Twitter. I don't give a fuck about people I don't care about that are random as shit that are like suggested post. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to get rid of that whole entire thing. Thanks Twitter for random people I don't give a shit about uh, posting their thoughts on my shit. But um, we did have some normal stuff. I just want to point out first one because i've never gotten over 50 i think likes back but um william regal said thank you very much boss 21 years of a great job traveling the world and without your help i wouldn't have lived to see a second of it so uh alexis i don't know who the fuck that is he looks like he's uh probably in his early 20s great advice uh with all due respect mr regal but remember that vince is no longer your boss in which I quickly replied, with all due respect, don't tell William Regal what to do. And now I'm at almost 200 likes on there, and I've gotten a couple of retweets. I feel special. Um, and look, <laughs> I would have, Chris, you know me. I would have said, with all due respect, go fuck yourself. But now on Twitter, if you say something like that, you get kicked off of it. So I can't do that. I can't tell people to go try to swim in a volcano anymore. It's fucked up. Uh, yeah, you said me that, and I was like, oh, I would have, I would have maybe commented even harder, but I, I try, I try yeah, I my do. very best, I try my very best not to get in Twitter arguments anymore. After this was like four weeks ago, 
<laughs> oh yeah, I went, I went through Twitter pretty hard. It's I mean, I I don't even understand why that person thought that was a good comment to make. I mean, it, it's look, Regal worked there a long time. Uh, we know that he had had some substance problems. I think he was maybe referring to that saving his life a little bit because I think that they sent him to rehab at one point um, while he was working with WWE. Uh, you know, I, I don't, why all he did was tell Vince, thank you for, you know, 21 years. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why anyone would take that as a negative thing. And I'm sure that William Regal, spoiler alert, is aware that his current boss is Tony Khan. <laughs> Yeah, that was just, I don't know. Some of these are going to age well or not going to age well. Whatever we find out, one that I find funny and I love, I love fucking Mick Foley. Nicest guy in the universe. But he posts, thank you, Vince. Thank you for everything, Vince. Your faith in me forever changed my life, which is true. I mean, I know it was JR and, and Austin, a lot of other people pushing for the fact that Foley could be more than, you know, Vince thought, but finally when he got on board, uh, you know, none of that hell in the cell stuff. Vince didn't know a full details. No, a lot of people did not know backstage full v- details of what him and Undertaker were going to do. And Vince wanted him to stop. That's why he came out at the one part. Mick wouldn't. And then when Vince, came, you know, when he came back, Vince said, thank you so much for what you have, for how much you helped elevate our company, but don't ever do anything like that ever again. And then two years later, he was falling on a crash pad still uh, through a hell in the cell with Triple H. <laughs> but, you know, Mick Foley's Mick Foley. But we love Mick. We also know that he is someone, no matter what, is very loyal. Um, but do you, do you think that Mick might have wanted to wait a little bit uh, to find out any information that came out this weekend? Or do you think that he was... You know, I'm not going to say no one should say whatever about their Xbox, especially a guy that made them a bunch of extra money throughout the years. But we know Vince, we know Mick, we know Vince, and they're the way they think. I think for the most part, their their political stat or, or what political side of the aisle they lay. Um, will this age well with Mick? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's fine, right? But yeah, it, well, to me it's fine. But uh, to answer your question, I have no idea because people bring up shit from like 30 years ago. It's a good point. So who, who the hell knows? But to me, it's you know, it's it, it's a response to everything that was current is currently going on with Vince retiring, not necessarily all of the all of the reasons that Vince is potentially retiring. I don't, you know, I don't think you should condemn any person that maybe is like, Oh, it sucks that Vince is retiring. Thank you for giving me a career. I I don't know that hopefully people don't start going after them. If there's more nasty shit that comes out about Vince next week. That's Um, a good point. Yep. You know, he's just their boss. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're fucking best friends and we're aware of everything going on. I think they're more talking about it in a business sense, not necessarily, uh, hey, congratulations, Vince. You were a great person (laughs) in life. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think people need to separate that in their minds. But to answer your question, is it going to age well? Who the hell knows? People seem to love Mick, so hopefully – uh, one person that was fired up about this uh, was Gerald Briscoe, who said, disappointed to see all you jimbronies 
celebrating the retirement of the man who created the world that gave you so much enjoyment growing up. If Vince never existed, all you Marks would have sadder lives than you already do. So Gerald was pissed. We do know Gerald Briscoe is one of Vince's best friends. I mean, it was him, Patton, Gerald. You know, they that that was an actual unit. That wasn't just a TV thing in the Attitude Era, the Stooges. But uh, Jericho, G- Gerald. I mean, I think that some of the stuff he says holds weight. Like I said, this is another situation where we'll wait and see. Uh, about what, if anything, comes out within the next couple days. You know, if there's reason why Vince stepped down, but uh, he wasn't too happy. And I gotta, I gotta admit, some of the uh, younger uh, folks that were commenting on this, uh, some of the stuff they said, it was like, "Can you go to bed?" But technically, <laughs> I should probably go to bed because I'm my age, and when I was that age, I was fucking staying up until five in the morning and going to work the next day. So. Who knows? Maybe I need to go to sleep. The thing about the comment that he's saying, you know, without Vince, there wouldn't be this. I mean, you could also say without Hulk Hogan, there'd be no Vince. Point. Uh, <laughs> so if we're just retroactively saying things. But I understand to some extent what Jerry Briscoe is saying, you know. I don't know. Look, this is the thing for everyone, especially, you know, maybe our friends that are a little bit older in age. Don't go through Twitter. Trust me for my own thing. Don't just keep on scrolling for comments. Luckily, I had a decent one with <laughs> William Regal. Normally, it is not like that. People say a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of different people with opinions on there. So, you know, I wonder how long Gerald was just like, God damn it, these stupid fucking. And then he decided to. And. If that's how he feels, that's how he feels. I get it to a certain extent, and to a certain extent, we don't know what the fuck's about to happen in the next couple of days, like I keep on saying. I just, you know, the thought of Gerald Briscoe sitting at his desk with his cell phone out, like, tweeting is fucking hilarious to me. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, there was, I guess the next, are we going to get, are we going to talk about Tony Khan's tweet? Because I guess that's the. One of the it's, bigger ones that came out of this. Yeah, I'll 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 just I'll I'll impact or I'll I'll, I'll say a bunch of other people's real quick, um, and then we'll do the Tony Khan one. But Ric Flair, who told Connor Thompson's like, why do you always capitalize every word? And he's like, cause that's my thing. All right, Rick. But uh, you've made my life better every day since I've been in the wrestling business. You're the only promoter in my career that treated me like a man, respected who I was, and made me a better person. God bless you for all you've done. FYI, no one can follow your act. Um, which nice for Stephanie and Hunter. <laughs> Eric Bischoff, love competing against you and will always respect the business you built. Paige, or the former Paige, uh, is this true? Or No, no, no. Oh, I don't remember what she said. Kurt Angle, after winning a gold medal in 1996, I found my second calling because of Vince McMahon. Thank you for believing in me and giving me the opportunity of a lifetime. I love you, Vince. P.S. I'm still Vince's favorite, and he tagged Austin, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> that is funny. Mick was really nice. Louis Foley, who doesn't work as a writer anymore, uh, apparently from what he said because he was – you know, I don't know if they got rid of him or whatever, but he was getting really annoyed with the TV writers uh, compared to the wrestling minds. He said, changes I hope get implemented in WWE. Talent and employees feel 100% safe and comfortable going up 
the flagpole with any comments, pitches towards the creator. Future signees aren't uh, based solely off of look. The more variety, the better. Long-term pitches get taken seriously and are executed. So, uh, Dewey, uh, Dewey has some uh, some business changes for the process, Chris. Oh, as far as like who you're going to go talk to about creative, I, I mean, I I would think so. You know, I think Triple H showed that when he was running NXT. If he's I'm assuming is going to be the head of creative at this point. If Vince is truly out, I would have to think that that pretty much everything would be funneling through Triple H's mind. Hopefully that doesn't cause him to have a fucking another hard episode just because that's going to be stressful as shit. But um, I don't yeah, we're know. all worried. About that. <laughs> is talking to Triple H any less intimidating than talking to Vince? Because from CM Punk's infamous podcast with Colt Cabana, it did not seem to be the case. He's a special fucking breed, though. He's <laughs> <laughs> got some balls on him. I would not want to try to, like, tell Hunter that he's fucking a piece of shit in the conversation. Uh, but, I mean, kind of like Jericho, he just didn't give a shit, you know? Yeah. Um but I mean, it's Triple H. He's the king of shovel style. I don't. I don't <laughs> it's one of those things. Is that is it going to be easier to talk to Triple H about your ideas than it is Vince? If we base it off of NXT, I'm hoping that there is that because I think, and I'm sure you'll agree with me. I think Triple H did a lot of ego changes when he became in charge of NXT. I feel like, you know, when he was able to help. Cr- mold some of these wrestlers but still allow them to do their own thing i think that kind of changed his perspective i feel like a bit yeah um hopefully that's the case i mean you you gotta remember that dusty and william regal were also there so i don't know how much that played into point before and you know also at one point steamboat was there and they've always had matt bloom and steve carino has been there for a long time so he's always had help and sean obviously um which that's the thing is like apparently Bruce Prichard has little to do with NXT. It's been Sean and Steve Carino basically trying to get it back on track. So those are two good guys to go with, I would think. Um, well, at this point with NXT, the problem it's green is talent, it, right? Yeah, it's they've moved they've moved so many people out of the fucking. They either moved them to the main roster or straight fired them to bring in all brand new talent who know haven't been doing this for a very long period of time so they definitely have their work cut out for them i mean this version of nxt is more closely related to something like ovw not in the aesthetics the way it's presented but with the current talent they have i mean they're bringing in young ass don't know shit talent (laughs) to try to have what people want for nxt matches which was I mean, NXT, like I said, was one of my favorite shows because there was high-quality wrestling there. And uh, to be fair, a lot of the high-quality wrestling came from the bringing in people from Ring of Honor. But it's it, they they have they definitely are going to have to do something there. And, and and we've talked about it in the past with guys that you aren't doing anything with, like when they sent down Apollo Crews and and Dolph Ziggler. For instance, you and I have been saying that for forever. Like, if you don't have anything for them to do on this three-hour fucking Raw you have, 
I don't know, maybe put them on NXT and try to help elevate guys and, and help them get better at wrestling. Um, and I, you know, it seems like they've done that a little bit when they would send someone down like Natalia or Dolph um, to work with some of these people. But it's, I don't know, that, that one in itself is just kind of its own weird thing. I hope for everyone that they can come up to Triple H and have a more open conversation about their characters and, you know, where they think it's going to be going. I just, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. That's the theme. That's definitely the theme. All right. So I'm going to give you the Vince uh, long uh, or the longer thing that he said to the uh, superstars. And then we'll do Tony's to get out of here for the subject. But to all WWE superstars, as I approach 77 years old, OMG, am I really that old? I feel it's time for me to retire. I've thoroughly enjoyed my passion, wisdom, and love for this business with you. No longer will you see the smiling, docile, level-headed calm presence at Gorilla every week. LOL. Your dedication to WWE will ensure that our company will continue to grow and prosper. Our organization is nothing without you, unless I decide to cut you along with Nick Khan. You are WWE's only natural resource chosen to perform in front of a global audience. You are WWE global ambassadors. Carry the WWE flag wherever you go, even the AEW. Just kidding, that wasn't there. Wave it high and proud. And bust your ass to be all you can be as a person and as a performer. One other thing. I won't be with you, but I'll be watching. Remember to keep your hands up, grab a hold, and sell. By the way, SmackDown airs live tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on Fox. So that was a, that was a, that was a statement uh, that Vince made. <laughs> the last line got me. He, he it's this long ass t- tweet at the very end. He's like, "Oh yeah, don't forget SmackDown's on tonight." Well, someone that's very known for doing that, uh, Mr. Tony Khan, also used that as an opportunity to promote his show on Friday night. Thanks to you, wrestling fans, and your great support of AW, I'm grateful now to be the longest tenured CEO in professional wrestling. Thank you very much to every single person who watches AEW on TV. See you on Friday night. Hashtag AEW Rampage on uh, at TNT Drama, 10 p.m. Eastern Central, 9 p.m. Uh, 10 p.m. tonight. Um, God damn it, Tony. <laughs> Part of me thinks this is hilarious, Chris. Part of me is just like, do you ever shut up? Does anyone fucking ever just observe what you're going to say? But <laughs> Tony Khan's going to be Tony Khan, man. Tony Khan, Tony Khan's, you know? <laughs> Hasn't Scott DeMore been CEO of Impact longer than Tony Khan's been around? Scott's like, hey, what about me? What about <laughs> what <I'm-> Raven? <laughs> I mean, Josh Barnett's been doing MLW for quite a while. For power, you mean? But yeah, Not Josh power, Barnett yeah, yeah. with uh, fucking blood sports been around for a couple of years now. Uh, I don't know. Tony Khan's just uh, poking the bear to some extent, I think. 
I, I gotta say though, like, what's the point? You know, wouldn't have been there because we know like Jericho just put over Vince McMahon recently over this whole entire fucking shit. I'm sure he's gonna have something to say about it on his podcast. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that was the best thing to say. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, he's adhering to his crowd. It just sucks because I'm his crowd, but I also like WWE. I'm just a pro wrestling fan. I think that that's you and a lot of people. But all you're doing is is making those smarts smile and go, yeah, Tony, yeah, Rampage. I just think it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, can't disagree with you there. It's it's. I guess it, to me, it's just like unnecessary. Why does it matter? <laughs> but that's. I mean, t- Tony Khan seems like he is a very passionate person when it comes to the wrestling business. So can't necessarily fault him there. Um, like point. Some someone might want to <laughs> review his tweets before he sends them out, though. Every once in a while. A little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. I, I We're going to go over on SmackDown like we did the last time where I just read out the whole entire lineup of matches and we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. I'm hoping that we will have a reason more so to talk in depth about Ron SmackDown eventually. Uh, we do have a new creative force that's driving this, hopefully a new direction. Um, I will believe it when I see it which has been the thing said many times by Chris and also myself. Uh, I'm going to be looking, though, for changes, most mostly after SummerSlam. So we'll see, you know, SummerSlam, what plays out afterwards, the draft, the new, you know, PG-14 rating, the fact that Triple H is where he is, who's going to be helping creative. You know, we're, we're going to find all this out. Hopefully it's going to be good. But I'll believe it when me shit turns purple and starts tasting like orange sherbet. Just leave it up. <laughs> yeah. I, and, I mean, we've been wanting to know what wrestling was going to look like without Vince McMahon for since we started this podcast. I mean, we I think that me and you both thought of, at this point this would have already been passed down to Triple H because he was, at when we first started this show, was doing such a great job with NXT. It just seemed like the logical move. And, uh God, almost five years later, I guess we're going to finally find out, Dave. It's crazy. Honestly, it's it's nuts. I don't know what's going to happen. What I would love to happen, I mean, is a change directly in the product and a new vision going forward. And also someone like Triple H, who was open to working with all these other companies and Vince's like, I'm going to buy them. And Triple H is like, well, no, you don't have to buy Evolve and you don't have to buy Progress and we shouldn't try to buy New Japan. That's we, we we can interact, try to get the like I feel like Triple H now, if he can do this stuff, and I think Stephanie will trust him, Nick Khan will trust him. And if Stephanie and him are able to create a good working, you know, bunch of creative people, like we said, Jeff Jarrett and all that, we can see a change. And maybe we can even see interactions with AEW. Who knows? There's a lot more open things. I'm just not I'm I'm always gonna be pessimistic with this. So yeah, that's I don't know. Yep. Yeah, agree. All right, so let's go over the artistic value of the two shows at this last week called Ron SmackDown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
which proves I'm definitely right about all this, but we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Raw, what do we have on it? We had Bianca Belair going against Carmella. First match, Bianca won. This is to form more stuff within the few that she has right now with Becky Lynch. So good stuff, I guess. Yeah, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. They don't want Rey Mysterio. They want Dominic. But when Dominic wouldn't do anything for them until they started beating up his dad and then said, fine, I'll do it, they said he was too weak. I don't know what the fuck's going on there, man. Um, uh, Seth Rollins beat Ezekiel. Uh, I don't remember who won between. Oh, the Street Profits beat Omos and MVP. And uh, MVP got the, the loss. AJ Styles, in theory, had a good match. Uh, Dolph Ziggler came up, definitely interfered. AJ Styles won. I have no idea what they're doing with AJ, but that's usually how it is. Asuka, um, Dana Brooke, and Alexa Bliss uh, won over Nikki Ash, Tamina, and Dewdrop, and no one gave a fuck. And then Paul, uh, Logan Paul was on um, Ms. TV. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get the Miz and, and Logan Paul. <laughs> Wasn't that one of the oddest parts of this? Like, Logan Paul is going to be a babyface in a feud with The Miz? Seems... I don't know. Look, I want to. If I were them, I would still have the approach that it seemed like Vince was trying to do and involve people that are not necessarily professional wrestlers. You know, it's it's good to have Tyson Fury on, on call or someone like a. Uh, I guess Gronk. Um, you know, you already have Pat McAfee. You have Cable uh, Steve Stevens coming into it. You got Logan Paul. Uh, Bad Bunny was a great person involved with it. If you who also can be someone you call up. It's good to get different type of talent. But I don't think Triple H is gonna be like how Vince was, where we're all only looking for athletes and entertainers. I think that he wants some of those indie wrestlers that. Hopefully Tommaso Ciampa gets a little bit of a fucking break with all this shit. But Logan Paul should be a heel regardless. So I agree with you. I don't – I would be changing that aspect uh, completely if he's going to be going forward with the company. Um, I guess Ronda Rousey is also a good example of that. Yeah, and, and me saying that wasn't a shot at Logan no. Paul or The Miz. It's just I don't – you know, they were in a tag team and they didn't really. They're both heels. They are definitely <laughs> yeah, both. Like, uh, it's it's just baffling that that's, I mean, if you're bringing in Logan Paul, you thought you think you would do maybe something with Kevin Owens because they had already set that up. And Kevin Owens, it, I guess technically he's a, he's a heel for not believing that <laughs> Elias is Ezekiel, but it would be, it would have been a good time to go back to that and have, you know. Kevin Owens in there with someone that's that's going to be green in the wrestling ring to to have that match as opposed to The Miz. I think that you'd probably get a better match out of that, but uh, is what it is. I mean, my favorite things on the show was uh, definitely the KO show segment with Matt Riddle was pretty <laughs> Riddle being like, you're the biggest liar I know, bro. <laughs> uh, it was pretty good. And um, I liked, I did like Theory's promo. I thought he had a pretty good match. If you take out just the random fuckery of Dolph Ziggler at the end, I still don't understand where they're going with that or what it means. Um, but those were my two favorite things on the show by far. 
what 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 sucks about this is that this is going to be the same thing that Dolph always does, and this is the reason why he doesn't get further. And I know that he he used to have a huge passion for wrestling. It's kind of dwindled, and you know he likes doing comedy, and this is kind of a part of it. But so Dolph is there as a gatekeeper. He's there to be in a program with Austin Theory, try to get him more ahead than he already is. I mean, he's a prodigy, but still be a good opponent for him. But Dolph's going to go back to fucking being Dolph afterwards, right? I mean, you know, kind of like the big show. He's a heel this time. He's a baby face this time. He's going to be putting over the other talent. Dolph had a chance to go to AEW, and he didn't. And I guess is is his wrestling soul sucked out by this point? Uh, maybe. I wonder if AEW even offered him a contract, honestly. <sighs> well, that was the reports, but yeah, who knows, man. Um, or or if they if they did offer him a contract, was it even any, anywhere near what Vince was going to give him to stick around? I mean, I think that's probably sure. more of is more of the case with Dolph. Um, I Gig- would you know I would guess, but you know. <sighs> My big thing about Dolph is, yes, he's he's good in the ring and he can give you a good match, but like on the mic or doing anything <laughs> to help get his character over, he's never been the best at. I mean, the probably his biggest run um, would have been coming either coming out of that SummerSlam or when he had Vicky Guerrero as a manager and actually won the title. It's it's funny to think about, but this guy was a heavyweight champion at one point in time years and years and years ago. Just crazy. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure they'll have a great match. I'm sure this guy will help Austin out within their feud. But, I mean, if it's just SummerSlam, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping, not not necessarily Dolph, because I don't think he was, te- uh, quote-unquote, a hunter guy, but his ex-partner. You know, we've already I already mentioned Tommaso Ciampa, Bobby Roode, who's been going by the glorious gimmick, but only on the fucking – after after shows, if you will, main event and whatnot. Um, I'm hoping that Triple H, the guys that he saw potential in, start getting elevated uh, and not held back because Vince didn't get them. And maybe people add uh, parts of their name back, and we don't have to do that stupid shit because I, th- I, I don't care if there's been Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin Theory was a name. Theory is just something. I don't, I don't know what the fuck it is. Riddle. <laughs> That riddle was a fucking USC fighter. And Pete Dunn, <laughs> for God's sakes, I'm so fucking sick of Scrappy Doo. Uh, I'm just hoping a lot of those changes. It, they don't have, I'm not saying like all of them need to be world champion, but they don't need to be fucking jobbers and side characters. Right. Yeah, hopefully that changes. Give them their names back. And also, you know, fucking <laughs> change Braun Breaker's name back to Rex Steiner. For the love of God. No shit. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I agree with you. It's like we've been saying, it's 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 a wait and see at this point. I'm hoping that he comes in. He's like, no, you're fucking Pete Dunn again. <laughs> that would be great. Um, I, I mean, the thing, to, just to go back to Dolph for a second, I think the thing that kind of pissed me off the most about this match is I was watching a very fun match with Austin Theory and AJ Styles. Yeah. I don't know that I needed a bunch of bullshit. Couldn't he have just done a beatdown after the match or something? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. 
it's we're gonna see changes hopefully changes are coming just like bob dylan said anyways uh, i don't even know if that's true uh smackdown stephanie came out uh she got a whole entire uh thank you vince chant. she said i love you vince and uh just confirmed basically what was said beforehand online so yeah thank you vince Hey, uh, I get that like wrestling is kind of weird and disconnected from everything, but it's it's so surprising to see Vince get cheered and also get thank you <laughs> Vince chance with everything that's been coming out. Like I don't I don't know if it's just that fan if it's just this fan base for WWE or what, but like I yeah I feel like you know in any other sport if someone had this league. <laughs> And came out, they would get booed relentlessly. It's just odd. I think any boos you heard were actually for Stephanie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, is is she gonna return as an on-screen character now that she just came out and did this thanks Vince segment? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Chris, she's one of the best heels of all time, but you know, I don't want. <laughs> television at all yeah i saw i saw that uh a and e documentary about how she was best friends with andre it's, it's good shit well he picked her up and had her like in her in his hand and, um <laughs> i don't know anyways so uh we had shinsuke nakamura ludwig kaiser um because of involvement obviously with gunther uh you know and him having to help him Kaiser won, and because of that factor, he got the fuck chopped out of him by Gunther afterwards. So, there you go. Yeah, what is the point? I mean, are they setting up a Gunther versus Kaiser match? Like, what is... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where is this going? (laughs) We're booking Gunther by having his buddy get his ass kicked or get by either Gunther or the person he's going against uh, to build Gunther with the title that he has that he doesn't defend anymore. Yeah. Huh. That's what I was getting at is like he, he Gunther is the one holding the fucking title. You would think that he would be the one getting a win over Shinsuke here, but it's his lackey, which, you know, that's worked in the past. You could go back and look at like road dog, uh, breaking away from Jeff Jarrett. That's kind of if that's the storyline you want to tell. But are they going to fucking <laughs> like if the end of the story is that this guy is going to, you know, leave Imperium and fight Gunther? They're just going to have him get fucking destroyed. So I don't understand. I don't understand what we're supposed to be building to here, Dane. I don't know either, but I was hoping that Vince would be able to figure out Gunther. And I'm starting to see that that, that's not the case. I'm just hoping, once again, that now with the differences, someone that already saw something in him, uh, Hunter will try to get Gunther out of this mess And as a main player. All he has to do is have matches and show people, like, what type of matches he can have and how brutal he is, but how he can do these long fucking matches. That's what got him over to all of us. So, I don't know. You would think they would fucking do that with the worker's title. In his grasp, but I guess that's too much to ask, man. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the company that changed his name from Walter to Gunter. So, uh, <laughs> I, 
you know, when I thought they were bringing, when I heard they were going to bring him up to the main roster originally, before the name change, uh, he seemed like a sure thing to be going against either Lashley or Roman Reigns as like a, I'm not going to say a, he's a big guy, but he's not, you know, not necessarily the same size as Roman or Bobby, but is an intimidating presence in the ring. I thought that that was going to be where they were headed with that, not, um, hey, let's put him uh, in here into an icy title position, give him a title, and then have him not be on any of the pay-per-views and basically feud with his own friends. That's a yeah. very shitty way to use him. I don't know, man. Um, next, we have the Viking Raiders, cream some team, uh, while the New Day made fun of them, and then they got in a fight. Um, that was about it. Then we had, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say like, uh, in this segment, who, who actually won, who got the better, the Viking Raiders just fucking lay out the Usos again. Cause I think I missed this. Well, no, it was, it was the Viking Raiders in the new day. And, uh, yeah, they okay. just, the, the new day were on commentary. They were talking shit about the Viking Raiders while they had a squash match with some no names. And, uh, afterwards they had a verbal altercation and then they started fighting. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, the same thing that fucking happened with the next one, man. Sheamus yeah. and Drew McIntyre, they have a match in Cardiff uh, at the big WWE return to uh, the UK uh, pay-per-view event that they're doing. And they talk shit to each other, and then they got in a brawl. And P- I love that Pete Dunne's taking this seriously because him and um, Richard Holland, I think, is that the name of the other gent? Uh, he has to hold him back because he's always like trying to like throw punches and he's pushing them and shit. So I get that he's Joe Pesci, he's scrappy dude, but still doesn't do anything for me, Chris. Yeah, no, nah, it doesn't do anything for me either. I, I did mean the the New Day, by the way. So they they basically on that segment they just reran what they've done the past three weeks and the New Day got their ass kicked. Yep. Okay. Um, I did see this. I'm confused on how. McIntyre's sword is back, though. Didn't he like bend it in half by breaking the ring ropes? Was that was that explained? If so, I missed it watching this. I don't think they ever even said anything. I, I mean, I'm assuming they put it back in place, uh, or Vince just bought it. Um, this thing is supposed to be like an Excalibur, like warrior sword from ancient Scotland, and it fucking bent in half like a boomerang. It's pretty fucking amazing. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, so then we had – hey, this is where going to Bill. She lost power, and every week she just tries to needle Adam Pierce, and Adam Pierce puts her in a match with someone that's going to kick her ass, and they do. This time it was Raquel Gonzalez – or I'm sorry, Raquel Rodriguez. <sighs> Whatever. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was good. Lacey Evans came out. She's a heel. She did a good job, but I don't understand the direction of why the fuck they went this way. Makes absolutely no sense since she came off like such a, a baby face. And uh, then before her match, she kicked the shit out of Aaliyah and she had no match and walked out. And uh, yeah, that, that was it. That was a uh, good shit. Uh, man. So they've tried to have this match three weeks in a row and it never actually starts with Lacey Evans versus Aaliyah. Have you noticed that? Yep. Oh, fucking odd. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said about Lacey Evans. At, at some point, I, I think I'll be beating a dead horse if I continue to yell about how they've used her 
throughout her career on the main roster. <sighs> uh, Jeff Jarrett joined Kayla Braxton uh, and said there's no way that he would accept bribery as the referee of this match. <laughs> Guys, Jarrett just went heel as fuck. And, uh, you know, the whole Ric Flair thing, which, like I said, we will be covering that next week before the match. I would trust him with this one either. I'm not saying that they're connected or anything like that, but I think Jared's a heel. He's lying. <laughs> yeah, but whose side is he on, as Bobby Heenan would say? Whose side is he on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would love, in, in actual uh, reality, Chris, I would love Jeff Jarrett. I know that he's part of creative, but wouldn't it be fun if he was like the Ric Flair for a new evolution type of concept? You know, maybe put like Austin Theory and uh, and um, what the f- Moss. I'm not gonna call him Madcap. Like two new guys, and maybe like one other guy, like a Miz or like a Dolph Ziggler or something like that. Like, if Jeff wants to wrestle, I want to see him wrestle. I'm just saying, he's good in the ring, and it seems like he's having a little bit of a renaissance ever since he fucking got the Hall of Fame, and now he's, you know, or at least was like one of the head creative guys. Um. Yeah, I think he's gonna fuck over uh the street profits though. Pretty sure. Yeah, I I could see that happening. Um, Do you think he's gonna tap out Ric Flair though? In the figure hmm. four, or does Jay Lethal set that if they're gonna do that? Yeah, I was gonna say I think Lethal will probably win with the elbow drop because I'm top with the elbow. Those videos have been great, by the way, though. I will say that. Yes, they've been awesome. It's very old school in the way that they built that matchup. But you know what? It's fucking great. I, I loved it. Um, and, I, it. And, and dude, we have to thank uh, his, his brother-in-law, uh, or son-in-law, I should say, Conrad Thompson. The man has his own mortgage company, is putting <laughs> together everything for StarCast at fucking SummerSlam that's introduced with this. He's booking, basically, and helped helping, you know, get all these videos out. And, um, you know, he has 50 fucking podcasts with people that he either has to host, produce, or just produce. Like, God, that dude does a lot. That's all I got to say. Loves didn't wrestling. Those, didn't those videos feel, feel like um, almost like the Billy Corgan era of impact? Like when Jeremy Borash was doing yes. all the Hardy stuff? It, it definitely had that feel to it like the aesthetic and the kind of the way it was shot so i was like kind of curious on who uh actually like filmed it um but i haven't been able to find that online so it's good well shit, if though. it's uh if it's dave what's his name that used to work with nwa they're probably not saying anything uh, in public since he you know was part of all <laughs> that scandal shit a couple years back i forgot what his name dave, is dave lagan uh, yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone should definitely go out and watch those videos. They're, they're very, very good. They, the, the storyline itself is simple of how they built into it. And also, you get to hear Hootie um, <laughs> do the narration. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, Darius Rucker himself, man. Good friend of Ric Flair. Um, so the last thing, obviously, was the six-man tag team match with Austin Theory uh, with the Usos. And Madcap Moss with the Street Profits. I don't remember who won. Brock Lesnar came out at the end of it and just destroyed motherfuckers, especially Austin Theory. 
and the Usos because obviously Roman Reigns' cousins, Austin Theory's threatening him if he wins. So that's how it went off. And uh, apparently uh, Brock came back and didn't leave. So everyone bitching online about that whole concept. I guess he did the right thing. I don't fucking know what actually happened. But we already talked about that. Did we talk about the Pat promo? Because I thought that was the best thing on the show. No, man. And Pat, man, on fire. Like, I know that – is he supposed to be, like – I know you're not going to use him week to week in the ring. Uh, But, man, dude, it's like – it reminds me of Kurt Henning as Mr. Perfect in the late 80s, early 90s, where he was commentating a majority of the time, having matches – Every once in a while, but being able to go back and forth pretty fluidly, you know, and still was a top draw within that company. Um, didn't he turn babyface and helped out Macho Man? I don't remember. That was a long time since Superstars. But anyways, yeah, Pat's fucking awesome, man. Uh, so natural on the mic. You can tell he just does a lot of stuff off the cuff, and it works for him. Hey, he's the most over babyface <laughs> on SmackDown, so they should probably utilize him more. Um, yeah, the rocks if, putting him over. Uh, he's been great. Also, he got a bum ass Corbin Chan going. So props to that guy. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, to me, that was the best thing on the show. And I actually look forward to, to, uh, if anything, this has helped Corbin get pulled out of the shit he was doing beforehand with a uh, madcap or whatever. Uh, cause that storyline seemed like it lasted forever. So, uh, this is great. That's, it was my favorite thing on, on the show. The rest of the show, um, I mean, all of the matches were under five minutes. So that tells you kind of, well, when there was an actual match, if it wasn't just a beatdown, which there was a lot of just beatdowns. Uh, the only match that went longer than that was the uh, the trios match at the end, which I thought was pretty good. Um, I don't know if I would have Theory losing two times in one week. But whatever. Yeah. No, I agree. And we're going to get to something like that when we talk about our next subject. We have AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest Night 3. Uh, we started off with a match, a grudge match with uh, Brody King going against Darby Allen. This all kind of got hostile between the interaction between Sting and Darby and going against uh, the the uh, House of Black. And then Brody obviously eliminated Darby from the, the Battle Royal by choking his ass out um, and just dropping him a couple weeks back. So I am not, a, I don't have a problem with this match. I actually thought it was a fun match. And in normal situations, Darby is such an underdog that it actually progressed him in the sense that he got over even though he lost. But still, Darby always loses. And you open up last week, and I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm complain about this. You open up last week with an overly competitive match with Orange Cassidy and Wardlow. This was his first title defense for the TNT Championship. And they went long. War- Wardlow did the fucking F100, whatever the fuck he calls it, and Orange Cassidy, you know, got out of it. And then... This time you start off with a big guy. This should have been the exact same fucking format you used the week before. It's nothing against Orange Cassidy, but if you're going to make me want to be aggravated towards Orange Cassidy, 
have him have a, an overly competitive match where the fucking best friends bring out a chainsaw uh, or beat Adam Cole where that definitely doesn't need to happen. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to have animosity towards the booking of him because it just – Warlow is supposed to be like fucking Goldberg, and he's way better in the ring. So if you want to utilize his wrestling skills, you can, but he should be killing motherfuckers right now. And it was like with this match, Darby Allen, I'm sorry. He should be more over and actually has potential to get the championship, unlike fucking freshly squeezed. Um, and he always fucking loses. And I think besides Sting being there, it's going to at some point kind of add up. Uh, he hasn't been a primetime player since he had the TNT title. And uh, I don't know how the fuck this is going to help him. We'll talk about the aftermath after your reaction towards the match, Chris. You know, I thought the match itself was pretty good. It's that it's more of what you're what you're saying. The problem is, is, you know, Darby's not really a believable threat to anyone because he's lost the last three or four big pay-per-view matches that he was a singles competitor in. And pretty much the only matches I ever see him win is when he's in a tag team with other people, which as we're going to get into with the aftermath of this, it does seem like they're just going to build up to House of Black versus Sting Darby and the Redeemer Miro. And that's all this storyline is built to do as far as I can tell. So it's, it, to me, it's kind of a, it's, it's a waste of Darby, but it's also a waste of Sting. Uh, I know it's a way to protect him, but at some point you would think you would want Sting maybe facing off against Moxley or facing off against, uh, you know, someone like ACM Punk. So I would, you know, start putting the, those things in place instead of just doing these kind of trios matches. You know, I got to admit, uh, last week on Rampage, what I really wanted, and I kind of forgot, even though I love the concept, but I forgot about the Miro Malachi concept. I wanted Sting and Malachi Black. They got face to face, they were nose to nose, while Darby and fucking Brody King are beating the shit out of each other all throughout the audience. I thought it was a really cool moment. Everyone seemed really into it. And now it seems like, yeah, we're going to have another tag match. And I don't, like I said, after a while, it's like, you need to utilize Sting for the legend he is, and you need to utilize Darby for the future champion he can be. And uh, I don't know. It just, like I said, I love, I'm not trying to go against Orange Cassidy. I like Orange Cassidy a lot. Maybe I don't love him, but Adam Cole thing, or though last week, that's the type of stuff that makes me just smack my fucking head. And when you start off and actually give us a somewhat of a squash match, even though they, they really played it out well, but I mean, Brody King was beating the fuck out of Darby the whole entire time. It just makes me go, why? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it, it's also weird because we get, don't we, we get Orange Theory, uh, Orange Cat, I almost called him Orange Theory, uh, Orange Cassidy, we get him uh, just randomly on commentary later. <laughs> not saying anything. So I don't necessarily, I mean, I know that he had a good match with Will Ospreay, but he lost that match. So I don't know why he would be getting a title shot per se. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he will, but it just, okay. Well, I well against Wardlow. He did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's just, uh, I, I agree with you on that. I think it's weird. And my big thing about sting and Darby is 
they haven't lost a singles tag match as, as far as I can recall back. So technically they should be in line for a title shot. So if they're just going to be a fucking yep. tag team, at least put them in a meaningful feud with like the Bucks or FTR or do, just do something with them that actually means more than a random trios match. And that's what they've been doing. If not a trios match, a five versus five match, as we've seen in, I mean, that's that's all they've been utilizing them for. And then anytime they build up a actual feud with Darby, he just loses. So um, maybe shitter get off the pot with the guys, basically what I'm saying. And maybe they will. I mean, they they seem yeah. to be doing that with Jungle Boy. Um, it's just Darby's just been eating loss after loss, whereas, you know, Jungle Boy is coming off being tag champion and uh, having some meaningful wins. No, I agree. And not only that, I mean. Like I said, if you're having a feud and they're still together as a unit, they don't. You can still do a tag team, but you can still do some individual matches as well. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if they're waiting for Buddy to be 100% cleared, and then that's the whole entire. Like you said, the idea is going to be Miro and them two versus all three members of House of Black. But you showing off the idea of Sting and and Malachi, yeah, give me that. I guess the example I could say is like, all right. So if you were to position Darby Allen now and Sting and you get them in a situation against Pentagon and Phoenix, for example, because they're a unit, obviously. Yeah, a tab match is going to be cool, but Darby versus Phoenix? Hell yeah. Sting versus Pentagon? I mean, you're talking about dream matches by themselves. You can utilize them in singles as well. And Darby getting a bunch of losses and usually not being the one who pins the person in tag matches is not going to help him out. But I mean, now we're starting. I'm starting to sound like a record, a broken record. Yeah, and I mean, I think part of the reason they don't do more of that, Dane, is that's very much WWE, where they just take a tag team and book them in singles matches for like five weeks. But I agree with you. But it, you know, when we're talking about Usos and Street Profits, which is what the fuck just happened with that best example recently. <laughs> of, give me a fucking break. I don't care if you got Sting and Darby. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a little bit different, but I do agree with you 100%. Yeah, right. If you if you don't beat it into the ground, it works fine. I think they shouldn't. But I'm saying I you know I could see why maybe they're they're they lean yeah. hard, harder against that. But I mean, it's a good way to build to a tag match if you don't. <laughs> the big difference is you have way more tag teams. So when you do this, it's not as obvious. So I, I agree with you that that would be a good way to go. All right, the next match, we had the best friends uh, going against uh, the, the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, Orange Cassidy, like you said, was with William Regal on commentary. Uh, even though William was trying to dig into Cassidy, he barely got any type of uh, statements out of him the whole entire time. Ha ha! <sighs> so one thing that was cool about this, I will say, is that you know we had the issues with Trent and Chuck kind of calling out Wheeler Yuta, you know, especially with the fact that Chuck Taylor apparently helped train him and, you know, Trent Beretta having an issue with him because of this. Um, tell him he doesn't really like him. And you could tell that animosity they were trying to go for that. This is another thing I got to call you out on. <laughs> I'm sorry. But last week you made the TNT title start off the show, which is like the other main event besides the thing that ends the show. After that, you had Moxley have a title match out of nowhere, and it was awesome, but it was like, so is a TNT title, like, 
higher elevated. And this one, you're 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 just getting this so your champion could be on television, uh, teaming with Will Yuta, and they would win. I mean, I, I didn't think any of us thought anything differently about that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a fun tag team match, but Moxley's not really coming off as a champion uh, like he once did, uh, and I think it's a little bit of overexposure. Like I said, I wouldn't if you have a fucking title on the line. You don't put it as your second match after the TNT title like you did the week before. You put it on last. I mean, make it a main event. It, it, he's a, the champion. And honestly, that week, you know, I know we're not going by this one, but the week before that, like I said, him and um, him and uh, uh, Takeshka had a fucking incredible match. So that could have definitely been the main event. But obviously they had other stuff with the tag belts and whatnot. But I don't know. Am, am I crazy for thinking this? Like, Make your champion your world champion, even if he's the interim. He's been a past champion. Seem like more than they're doing, or am I crazy for thinking that, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have him in a tag match. I didn't have a problem with uh, where he fell on the card just because it was a big tag team champion match, and I like that they actually elevate their tag titles. So I didn't have as big of a problem with that, but I, I get Maybe like saying. the top of the 9 o'clock hour or something. I don't know. Not right next to your fucking TNT championship match. Right. Like- um, I, I wonder if, if some of that plays into all the analytics and uh, st- rating statistics and numbers that Tony is always talking about. And maybe that's the reason that mm. he decided to do that. But uh, I, in general, yes, I agree. You would want to, if you, if you have both those titles, I wouldn't put both those titles back to back, but one in the first hour, one in the second hour. Um, or maybe just don't have three title defenses on a non-pay-per-view show. That's a that's another thing you could do. Um, this match was fine. I would have probably had Claudio in here just to give him a strong win on TV before leading into the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. But uh, I think, did he actually, I can't remember, did he wrestle on this show? I'm trying to, I'm going back through my, I have to go back through my notes. I don't remember. I can't even, um... Uh, I don't think so, man. I think you're absolutely right. He didn't have a match. Yeah, so if you're going to have a random tag team match and you want to do, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club, unless you're telling me what the next thing is, is Orange Cassidy versus Moxley, which seems to be what they're teasing at by him being there in general, um, I would probably have had Claudio go out there and get a strong win leading into your pay-per-view. Yep. Probably would make sense. And they did a, a good job. Maybe it could have used a little bit more building, but this being the go-home week for the Ring of Honor uh, pay-per-view, I thought they did a good job building up some of it. Um, but, yeah, that's a really fucking good point, is the fact that I also don't, and we'll get to it, even though it was a really fun match, like why Jay Lethal would be like, yeah, yeah I, you know what, I got a title match, even though it was on Wednesday because they record Rampage, but whatever. We're supposed to believe Friday Jay Lethal's going to want to do a match against Christopher Daniels and then the next night go against Samoa Joe for the uh, TV title. <sighs> yeah, not necessarily the best. But he got kind of goaded into that, right? Wasn't that the story is that Christopher Daniels? Him and his black eye, man. That looks crazy. Shit yeah, what, fucking... did, what was that? Did he get sprayed with mist or something? I don't no, even that's remember how cool. he lost his eye. I forgot I, Matt Matt Jackson hit him in the face and for some reason like with this I guess he kicked him too hard with the super kick and um, 
He said it's like filled up with blood. He can still see fine out of it, and they say nothing's bad, but it won't go back to normal. Oh, that's wild. See, I didn't know that, or if I did know that, I'd forgotten about it because I thought that something happened on darker elevation where he got sprayed with mist. That's how crazy it looks. I he looks badass, was... though. And it if he can awesome. see out of it, and there's no damage, <laughs> I mean, it's creepy looking. I'm sure his wife's not happy about it, but it, it kind of makes him look badass. That's uh, that's crazy. There has to be some kind of way they could drain that out, you would think, right? I don't know. I just remember I heard him talk about it like uh, probably about two months ago, um, just explaining why the fuck that happened. I think it was on actually the AEW podcast that uh, Tony and Aubrey do. Oh, see, that's 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 kind of wild to me because I just assumed that he got misted on darker elevation and I just didn't see it. That's how like crazy it looks because I thought that he was just selling something. Um, hey, maybe maybe that's why he hasn't went to try to get it fixed. He's like, fuck, it looks awesome. I'm a wrestler. <laughs> Let's just go with it. <laughs> I'm going to get it over, brother. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Tony had the uh, tag team, the new tag team champions. Really great swerve, but on, uh, from the week previous. But I actually really was looking. It, it, I didn't think any title ch- change was going to happen. But if it did, I was really hoping that Ricky Starks and Hobbs would get that. But still, I love swerve and fucking... Uh, Keith Lee, but they come out and I mean, before they can really get into the interview, they both say a little bit, uh, smart Mark Sterling comes out with Tony Nese, uh, and the petition against Swerve is almost complete. He wants to get rapper Kevin Gates to sign petition, but that does not happen. Instead, you know, they, Tony Nese gets in his face, he knocks his ass out and then Swerve Strickland takes a cake and uh, smacks it into Smart Mark Sterling's face. Um, cakes on wrestling. Huh. Hmm. It reminds, reminds me of another company, almost, <laughs> that would do that. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's slipping my mind, Chris, but uh, a good segment? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this was more just, hey, we're in Atlanta, and here's Kevin Gates. Right? Makes sense. Pretty much. Which both uh, our, our TLSs were not at. We should probably tell all the audience members that. But. <clears throat> yes, I, we did, I did not make it over there. Um, Time and money, motherfuckers. That's why. <laughs> yes, that, that would be the answer. Just like I am not going to be going to this MLW show where they're asking an astronomical amount of money for tickets. The fuck. Bar, smoking crack? Jesus. Yeah. They think they think it's a fucking Rolling Stones concert or $80 a ticket. The fuck up out of your MLW. <laughs> Your pay-per-views don't even cost eighty dollars. Um, and, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, I, this was fine. I mean, like I said, I think it was just more like here's Kevin Gates. Yep. Yep. Um. So uh, John Silver and Reynolds are backstage with Shivani uh, Butcher and Blade. Uh, I guess on the fucking YouTubers, uh, Silver has a new nickname. For Butcher, he wants to call him Butch, and that pissed him off. And they beat down, like Silver's got out of the way, but they beat down Reynolds pretty bad. Hangman uh, made the save, and it was set up for a rampage with Silver and Hangman going against the Butcher and the Blade. This was stupid. I'm sorry. I like Johnny Hungy, I do. I want fucking Hangman Page away from all that shit completely. I don't think any of this is helping him, and I just see a lot of potential in the Butcher. I know Blade is a more seasoned veteran, and he's actually a 
really good in-ring wrestler, but he doesn't say shit. So I don't really care about him that much. And I see a lot of potential specifically with Hangman being who he is, an ex-champion, the Butcher, and this doesn't do shit for me. And I'll just tell you right now, the match was fine that they had, and that didn't do shit for me either on Rampage last night. Yeah, I'm still baffled on how Hangman is not first in line for a title shot against Moxley. If, if you're giving, if you're handing out title shots, it shouldn't be to random people that's never been on the show before. Hey, Chris, FTR has been second for the last, I don't know, month and a half tag team for the AW tag belts. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, um, I don't I have no idea what they're doing with Hangman. I guess they're just going to keep him on ice until they have something meaning, meaningful, to a storyline that's meaningful to put him into. Um, maybe they had plans for him and Brian Danielson or him and Punk, like continuing him and Punk or something. Maybe that's why he's kind of just relegated to where he's at. But uh, there's other good wrestlers on this. You know, there's other shit you could be doing with Hangman <laughs> besides this. Basically, there's other good wrestlers on the show. Like you could, you know, be having matches with uh, Claudio or Willer Yuta or Jonathan Gresham or I mean, even if you want him, even if he's taking a loss, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Samoa Joe, like there's fucking other people. If, you know, if you're, if you're just going to put him in these random segments, there's better ways to utilize him, even if it's helping get other people over. I agree. Absolutely. It's weird. I have in my notes uh, a statement from Taz, and I don't know if this was for the match or or the stuff with Tony Nese and all them uh, beforehand or for that thing. But it says, everybody hates each other, and I love it. So there you go. There's Taz's <laughs> statement. <laughs> they need to just go to Taz and Excalibur on commentary. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to straight say it. I think I think it's way better when it's just the two of them. Yeah, I know. Tony barely like says anything, and if he does, it's like it's Sting, or you know. And I like that they take Jim Ross out at the end. I think that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, Taz really makes everything flow so much better, being the third guy, or especially with just him and Excalibur. They're a great team. Um, so yeah, Taz is fucking awesome. Is he? Is Taz not one of the best commentators? Probably. He's I mean, got to be up he, there. I mean, he he he's no Don West, but he's – no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got to be up there. I mean, I've enjoyed a lot of matches he's called. Uh, but, I mean, there's some – I mean, there's some really good fucking names on that list, right? I mean, Jim Ross is still, to me, the greatest of all time, and he, he always yeah. will be. But, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people, that is their gorilla monsoon, um, et cetera. I think that a lot of that just goes with nostalgia, but Taz is definitely, he was good when he was in WWE. He was good when he was in impact and he's really good here. Um, I think he's there. Him and Excalibur together are very entertaining. They have chemistry. Whereas a lot of these other three man boosts they try to do. Uh, there's not as much chemistry there. It seems more forced. And also Jim Ross was a lead commentator for so long and you have Excalibur doing play by play. Something there just doesn't really, I don't know. It doesn't flow that well, I guess. Um, I do like them utilizing him just for big things. I think that's a a good way to use Jim Ross, and that's what they did with him in WWE before he was released. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I don't know. I I think when when it comes down to a commentator that really brings the best out of another person that he's working with, Taz is definitely, I mean, him and Michael Cole, 
him and Mike Tanay, and now him and Excalibur, he always elevates that other person and makes the commentary team just really smooth. And he takes heel factors, but also, you know, he, he can go down that route, uh, but he still, like, puts over the baby face and also is able to really talk in depth about the wrestling maneuvers that they're doing because, obviously, this is fucking Taz, the suplex machine. And, uh, yeah, he's just a great commentator. He bounces off everyone well. Jim Ross really well. Um, Tony, he always can make it like flow and be a better, you know, conversation, if you will. Yeah, and I mean, even going into the next match, uh, you know, he did a good job of trying to put over Cole Carter, who I've never heard of, you know. Um, and, and like, he does a good job of talking about, especially when it's uh, his group. What is it? F the F. God, I don't even know what his group's name is anymore. Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Taz! Uh, Team Taz, there you go. Yeah, he, he go through any of the commentary where he's doing that. He always, even though he's cheering for his group, he always puts over whoever they're going against. I mean, if you even go back to like the Sting and Darby feud they had, um, he put he he would put over Sting, but also be like, okay, now kill him. Pretty much Ricky. So, yeah, he's pretty damn good. I, I like that set of commentary, him and uh, Excalibur. Yep. Well, before we get to that match, we did have a match with Christian and Luchasaurus going against Varsity Blondes. <sighs> I really like Brian Pillman Jr. And uh, I think this kind of cements uh, just, I don't know. I don't see him lasting too long. And Maybe I'm wrong in AEW, uh, him or Garrison, but they got beat. And then this, I don't understand what the fuck's going on. So Christian and, and Luchasaurus, they're doing their thing. They just won the match. Jungle Boy's music hits. He's back from injury. And it looks like him and Luchasaurus now are, if this is all a swerve, I won't have much of a problem with it. But if this is their back together, what? Like right after that fucking happened. So I'm going to assume it is a swerve. But Christian's scared shitless of Jungle Boy and runs the fuck out of the arena. I didn't get a lot of this, Chris. I'm hoping this means, like I said, I don't know if I trust it based on Tony's booking sometimes, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, don't tell me you just made Luchasaurus badass and now he's going to be back with Jungle Boy. I hope that, yeah, I, I'm hoping that this is just a swerve and that, because the story has been that Christian is been planning this for what, like a year, the turn, <laughs> just letting, uh, letting jungle boy and Luchasaurus make him money essentially. So it, it's in the realm of possibility that he's like, Hey, when he shows up, make him think that you're still his friend kind of thing. So I think that they they probably are going that route. I don't necessarily like Christian getting chased by jungle boy. <laughs> Yeah, he was uh, scared of Jungle Boy. If he got chased by Luchasaurus, I mean, that would make more sense to me because Luchasaurus is more of an intimidating presence than Jungle Boy. Agreed. All right, so the next match that we have, we have Ricky Starks going against uh, Cole Carter. Cole Carter is the former Two Dimes, part of Tony D'Angelo's group in NXT. But uh, on the indies, he was a lot of a lot of people saw a lot. He was he was really good in this match. I will give him that. Um, so I'm I'm kind of curious. 
you, but I will say, Tony, chill out with the fucking ex NXT guys. You don't have to like gobble all of them up. Um, but if this guy is someone that they're going to put maybe on the YouTube shows and see if, you know, how good he is, kind of like Justin Waters, like they did with Sky Blue and a lot of different wrestlers. And they're going to have like not job matches, but lose against some of these AEW guys. I don't have a problem with it, but man, he just like grabs everyone. And he's not 100% signed, but I actually thought the interview beforehand, he did well going against Ricky Starks, which I don't think is easy. And this match, I thought he uh, did well too. Ricky won. He is still the FTW champion. And afterwards, Danhausen came out and called him out. And Ricky was saying that he could easily have another match, but he backed down to Danhausen and said that y'all have to wait next week. Where I'm hoping this goes, Chris, what I really want to happen is I know that Danhausen and Hook haven't really, you know, hooked up but uh, recently, but I hope that Ricky Starks. Maybe beat Stanhausen because of interference. They beat him down. And Hook, who was a part of Team Taz, Taz's fucking son, gets in Ricky's face. And that leads to Ta- or to Hook beating Ricky Starks for that title. Because I don't think Starks has been a bad champion. Obviously, his title is pretty fucking just done as it is. But if anyone's going to bring value out of it, it would be Taz's son. And I think that storyline would be fun to play with. Uh, going forward. But if we're not doing that and that's just a squash match for Ricky Starks or if Dan Housen takes the fucking FTW title off of him, I'm not interested in any of that. Got to be honest. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you just said. This is just a way to set up Hook coming out to make a save for Dan Housen. They'll, they'll do probably do a couple tag matches and then he'll beat Ricky Starks for the FTW championship. I think that's that thing. That's where they're headed. And I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head there. And I would definitely love that. I think that would be a fun way to bring some value to their channel. And like, I'm not trying to down, I guess, cage and then Ricky Starks or anything like that, but Taz's son with that title that Taz brought aboard, uh, back in the late nineties in ECW, I think has more value in it than anyone else. Um, and I think that would be a good match. I think both guys would work well together. And I want to see where Tass has to go. He's going to be commentating that. So if that's where the situation, is he picking his boys or is he picking his son? It's just interesting. Maybe we can finally have Taz in the son's corner and Ricky. And if, if they want to stay together as a unit, him and Hobbs, that's fine. But Team Taz has been absolutely it, – it's, it's nothing anymore. Right. They're more just like guys Taz is friends with at this point because they haven't done any, you know, matches with the three of them in a while. I nope. guess it's the uh, gods and Sting and Darby, right? That was the last yep. thing we saw as them as a whole unit. So, I, you know, I, I, I think that this is a good way, one, to get that belt off Ricky Stark so that maybe he can go wrestle for, you know, the TNT title. Because I think he is that good and should be utilized that well. But it also frees up Powerhouse Hobbs to be more of a singles competitor. I think splitting those two up by Taz having to pick his son's side uh, and going from there is not necessarily the worst thing for for Ricky or Powerhouse Hobbs. Because I think yeah, that that has kind of ran its course. And there's a lot more they could just do as singles competitors if you use them properly. Now, saying all that, and I completely agree with you because I said the same thing 
if they go in a direction where, oh no, Taz has to choose, and you know, um, you know, his son Hook beats Ricky, but then Taz comes in while there's a confrontation, and then Taz sides with Ricky and, and Hobbs and beats down his own son. That's interesting as well, but. You know, like I said, I would not have if, – if this is not setting up anything with Hook going against Ricky Starks and we're just getting Danhausen either somehow fucking beating Ricky for that title, which would be kind of stupid, or Ricky just beating him in a squash. Eh, whatever. But, I mean, and, like, if you had built – if they'd built Danhausen up as a singles competitor and he'd actually won some matches headed into this, then, you know – it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he won the title. Um, But he's literally just kind of a manager more so than a wrestler with the way that they've booked him. And Dan has to go, by the way, if anyone doesn't know that, especially when his style was more, I'm going to say he's even said it, like more aligned with a Finn Balor, Prince Devitt style. Uh, If you guys want to see any of the stuff, I forgot what his ring name was before Danhausen, but really good technical wrestler. Like, good stuff, but, you know, this is a different side of him, and he still brings us out, but we haven't seen, like Chris said, any of that since he's been at AEW. Yeah, I mean, even when he comes into a match, he's there to do, like, two moves and then just immediately get get uh, the heat put on him to make the hot tag to hook. So, I mean, that's all we've really seen of Danhausen outside of, like I said, more of a manager-type role. And part of that was because he's injured. Um, so, I mean, the the logical conclusion is the one we already said. And even if they do, uh, it, even if Taz does side with Team Taz over Hook, it's still going to lead to the inevitable breakup where Hook gets the FTW championship, I think. So I, I, either way they go with that, I, this seems like it's headed in that direction. Yep. All right. Well, I got a breakdown from... Wrestling Headlines, want to thank them for the breakdown of this next segment that really, I mean, might have been my favorite thing about AEW, besides some of the good uh, in-ring work. But FTR is here, and they're carrying all the gold. Cash Wheeler is here and says he still can't get used to the reaction that they're getting. 2022 has been a great year for FTR, and no bigger moment for them than being the Briscoes earlier this year. Cash says if the Briscoes think they are taking uh, they are taking these titles, they've got to take them from their cold, dead hands. And Cash was great. He's usually a good intro guy. Dax has become such a fucking force with everything encompassed. Even if I think Cash is, you know, a little better with fluidity, I guess you could say, in the ring, Dax is fucking good at the mic. He's good at the wrestling. He just has something about him, and he told a story that really fucking pulled on my heartstrings. So then Dax tells us a story about an eight-year-old girl who found out she had a hole in her heart, and the cardiologist told her that if she worked hard enough, the hole can close up on its own, and they wouldn't have to get surgery. That little girl worked hard, and that hole closed up by itself, and that little girl was Dax's daughter. Dax will fight like an eight-year-old girl this week. And the Briscoes won't be taking anything from them. Just an awesome fucking promo. Real life shit. I love these guys. I loved 
the Briscoes, you know, rebuttal towards this. I love what they're building. It's been confirmed that from Tony on the uh, the Ring of Honor um, press conference that Briscoes have a long-term contract with Ring of Honor. And it seems like a lot of wrestlers do. What I'm assuming is they're trying to figure out a streaming show or put it on television somewhere. Uh, but until then, they're going to have main events, but they're going to allow some of those wrestlers like your Dalton Castles that are on the card, like your Briscoes, to kind of work with like they have been Impact and a lot of the other companies until they have something. But he even said they haven't been on AEW TV, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be in the future. I fucking love all this. This is I'm looking so much forward to this match. This two out of three falls tag match. We'll talk more about it, but I thought this promo was excellent. I love the realness and the story. Dax is fucking – he's great, man. He's really showing himself, and I still love Cash. I think he's a fucking great wrestler. But Dax just – him and Adam Cole, they do the stuttering concept within their promos, but they're still two of the best promos, I feel like, on that platform. But I don't know. He makes it so damn real, and I appreciate the fuck out of that. And I'll say right now, I'm pulling for the Briscoes tonight, but still, I mean, these are two of the best tag teams, period. And uh, I don't know. I'm just – I didn't think I would I would care about FTR this much, and I do. And uh, that says a lot to their work, their drive, and what they give a fuck about. So, Dax, I love that you have that shirt online. I love that that's going towards uh, the research for um, – what is it? Uh, it's uh, heart disease. So it's, it's all the proceeds for that shirt, Fight Like an Eight-Year-Old Girl, um, is going towards that. So go get that fucking T-shirt. I think I'm going to purchase one, too. It's for a charity, and it was a good story. Yeah, it's a great promo. It's absolutely crazy to me that FTR and the Briscoes have been able to build the feud that they have, mostly without direct interaction with one another. You know what I mean? Like. That that interaction where Caprice Coleman was interviewing both of them when they were taking shots to tequila at first, and then it got a little – all that stuff is awesome. And and most of it's not televised. It's on fucking YouTube. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's crazy. I mean that just shows how good both of these tag teams are. But um, what who was it that had the – one of the members of FTR had a, a shirt that said FTR seven stars on it, which I took as a shot at Meltzer for not putting over that tag match more. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, the seven stars represents, and they've said this, he goes, it has nothing to do with the five-star rating system, anything with Dave. Seven stars basically is the amount of championships they've gotten seven different companies. So NXT, the SmackDown, they've gotten, you know, AEW, they've gotten AAA, Ring of Honor. um, And then, I mean, they were even talking about they need to get the Impact title. So fucking, you know, uh, what's what's their names? Uh, Oh, my God. I'm forgetting Gallows and Anderson's tag team name. But you guys need to watch out. FDR wants to get an eighth star on that motherfucking list. Yeah. Uh, okay. That makes more sense then. I thought it was just uh, – they were just poking fun. But this is going to be one hell of a match. I love this promo. I really liked the – all of the rebuttals from the Briscoes have been great. But the sit-down with Caprice Coleman uh, between – both those teams was awesome. Uh, they go for that final shot, and the Briscoes just pour out, pour it out. It's pretty funny. It's 
pretty good. Very old school, but pretty good. And uh, right. they're going to have one hell of a match. I don't know why FTR decided to uh, do t- two out of three falls. That that might be their downfall, honestly. <laughs> I could mm-hmm. see them losing the Ring of Honor titles because that's the Briscoe's gimmick is two out of three falls tag matches. They did that for years of ring- in Ring of Honor. So that, you know, this match would make you think and they kind of teased it in the promos like the briscoes were worn out because they had wrestled like four like three times leading into that match and then wrestled again later that night (laughs) after that match uh so i guess the question is will ftr be able to to tread the deep waters with the briscoes so that's kind of the story going into the match and i think that's i think it's great i love it looking forward to it it's probably going to be match of the year my match of the year so Ben Briscoe's versus FTR. I, I expect this better than the first. Yep, and it really sounds like, like I said, we'll go over the Ring of Honor uh, Road to Dishonor pay per view, but this is going to be probably the main event, even over Gresham and uh, fucking Claudio. And that shows sh- a lot of how how much they they think that you know what they think of FTR and the Briscoes, basically. <laughs> the only reason it wasn't the main event last time is because. <laughs> The Briscoes had to leave and go wrestle an impact. Right they had after. a third fucked match. These guys won the GCW Tag Championships, lost the Ring of Honor uh, Tag Championships, and then lost to get the Impact Tag Championships. But they did it all in one night. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Oh. Yeah. Just ridiculous. I, they- I don't know that anyone wrestled the schedule the Briscoes wrestled in like since like the 70s, 80s. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. And these none of those were short matches. Like, all of those matches were like 20-plus minutes. Yeah, in uh, the startup, you got to go against Nick Gage, and I forgot the other gentleman's name. But that's the first match you start off with. <laughs> brutal. Brutal. Um, I don't know, man. All right, so our next match was a tag team match. It was Jade and Kira Hogan versus Athena, the former Ember Moon, and Willow Nightingale. Love all these ladies. Um, it was a mess. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was very bad. <laughs> it was not was, any of these people's best work. <laughs> see, I don't remember. It was so jumbled up, and I was just like, "What the fuck." Was Emberman trying to do an apron bomb to was it Kira Hogan? And she could not get her up. And I'm so glad she ended up being able to do it, but God, that could have gone south really fucking quickly. Yeah, no one blamed no one said that Kira sandbagged her though, so that's good. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, that spot was terrible. Um she kinda what she she slipped the first time when she was trying to pick her up and give her the apron bomb and then had to readjust and they finally did it. Um, but that wasn't the only spot in this match there. Uh, Jade Ugh. looks awful in this match. Um, actually funny enough that the person that looked the best in, in this match is the one that hasn't worked with these people the most, which would be Willow. <laughs> yeah. Willow's fucking great. Uh, but yeah, this was this match was anytime Kiera was in the ring, it just looked like I don't I don't know if it's just bad chemistry between her and Athena or what, but man, it looks rough. 
Dude, I got to say, Kerry Hogan was awesome in Impact, and she has not shown that in-ring credibility in any of the things I've seen in her in AEW. So, uh, I don't know, man. It's fucking weird. I mean, some of that, you, I mean, the same could be said about Athena. She hasn't really yeah. showed us the level that she was at when she was, you know, in NXT um, chasing the title. Like, she was really good there, but so far in uh, AEW, she's been kind of terrible. And I don't know if that's just bad chemistry between – I mean, that happens. Like, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, you would think that would be a great match, but apparently it was very bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, just, sometimes that just happens. Yep. Uh, another example is uh, – who is – oh, Austin and Undertaker, two of the fucking greatest. They both admit every time they won the ring, it just didn't work out. Sometimes happens. Yeah, and, and that could be part of it because they these Kira and Jade have just been feuding with Athena and uh, Chris Statlander for a while. I thought the promo before this was weird with basically Athena and Chris Statlander being friends but picking separate titles to go after. Like, what the hell? Uh... We'll get to Chris Statlander a little bit later when we talk about the rap battle. <laughs> God. I hope she fucking approved that. Just got to say that right away. All right. Uh, Tony Giovanni is with Thunderstorm. Uh, and they talk about the rematch with Thunder Rosa going against Miru Yamashita. Did I pronounce that right? Uh, I believe so. Miru Yamashita. That's... She's one of the DDT crew, or the- I'm sorry, never should have fucking beat the champion Thunder Rosa in a match. Period. God, I was company pissed. that's it's that other company that's not Stardom. Um, <laughs> I mean, oh. not, not I'm not trying to be mean, but I, 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 yeah, yeah, like I, I. I don't have a problem with it necessarily if she's going to come back to lose, if she's going to come back and lose to Thunder Rosa in, in like three or four minutes on TV. Cause I get what they're trying to do. Like if, if I don't know that you necessarily have to send your champion there to take loss, but if you're, if you are doing like talent trading, um, you know, some of your people need to get wins too. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily know that Thunder Rosa had to be the person to, take a loss though there's other you could have sent statlander or uh why Britt baker is Britt baker injured by the way well she She actually showed up right at this thing uh so you know the last week she brought her a sandbag during her interview which pissed off Mm -hmm. thunder stuff uh and this (laughs) week they interrupted her and jamie Hayter and said we we need less thunder rosa promos Britt uh wants herself and jamie Hayter on rampage and they will get that. She also said that basically shit's gone to hell since she's been champion. I just feel bad for Thunder Rosa and all this. I really do. I think that Thunder Rosa could have been a woman's, a great woman's uh, world champion. And I think that she's been completely given crap since then. And no mic time half the fucking time. Usually gets interrupted by, you know, Nyla Rose or Britt Baker. So it's like she's a really good, uh, what are they called? Uh, Champions in between the big champions. What what is that called? Transitional champion. 
I guess so. And Thunder Rosa was one of the best people in that. And now I'm like, I hope she fucking goes to WWE after all this shit. Like, there's been nothing good about her fucking getting sandbags and her and Britt bringing another one on Rampage, a giant sand. Like, don't use inside terms. God damn it. I fucking I didn't like any of this. And I love Britt Baker. I just think it's at the expense of Thunder Rosa. Yeah, the only reason I asked if Britt was hurt is because we haven't seen her wrestle really since the uh, heart tournament, right? Yeah, you're right. Like, I know she's been here and there on the show, but we haven't seen her in a match in quite a while. Um, I, are we randomly building a tag division? Is that what's happening here? It seems like it. Because Athena and Chris Statlander don't want to challenge each other. They're friends. We have Jamie Hayter and uh, Britt kind of – well, they were already together, but seemingly setting up a tag match to go against uh, Thunderstorm, which already has a tag name, and they've been working tag matches. Uh, I think maybe the idea is that this is a way to get more female performers on the show by doing tag matches, but I don't necessarily think they need a tag division, and I hope that's not the route they're going. Could be completely wrong. But it seems like we're getting a lot of female tag matches. Uh, I really think you're right. And I just don't know if that's a smart idea. The uh, last thing this fucking company needs is more titles. Yeah. Whole entire <laughs> Ring of Honor sector. <laughs> we have all the main titles. We have the FTW title. Uh, you know, just bring them on. More, more the, titles. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of good wrestlers, right? Just put a title yeah. on all of them. The Atlantic Ocean title or whatever. Well, <laughs> I did watch that match though between uh, Shooter and um, and Pac over at Rev Pro for the title. That was pretty a good match. So I will say check that out. It was on dark once again, just like the fucking women's title match where Thunder Rosa lost to someone from Joshi Pro. I heard that 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 match was good. I I haven't really. Outside of AEW and WWE, I caught this week's episode of Impact, and then the rest has been dedicated to watching the G1. So I, I, I haven't checked out anything from Elevation or Dark. When we get done doing our predictions, remind me of what you just said, because I wouldn't mind. And I'm sure the listeners wouldn't mind a little bit of an update on Impact and also the G1 tournament. So we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. Let's talk about this main event, though, Chris. Barbed wire death match. I thought it was a cage. I guess I was wrong. It was just the ring that was set up that way. Uh, they had the Jericho Appreciation Society in a shark cage. Suspended. Uh, I think it was actually like on the ground, but whatever. Uh, Ruby Soho was in charge of the cage. <laughs> I guess I'm protecting it, even though her arm got slammed in the door. Uh, but Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho... Some of the stuff at the beginning was good. I couldn't believe some of the bumps that Chris Jericho was taking throughout it. Eddie was beating the fuck out of him. <laughs> then it gets overbooked as shit. I mean, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that Ty Conti was going to get involved. Obviously, they put Ruby right there. Terrible idea. Uh, and then she did. Anna Jay looked like she was about to take her out, and then she helped her friend. By So I guess she's not a part of Dark Order anymore, and she's with the Jericho Appreciation Society. I'm not sure. 
But Anajay and Ty Conti beat the shit out of Ruby Soho. And poor Ty Conti. This is the second time this has happened to her. First was the fucking alcohol or the uh, rubbing alcohol bottle <laughs> at the fucking um, blood and guts. And now she's got to fucking try to get this key. And they're having problems with it. So Jake Hager takes his dumb man strength and opens up the thing. But only problem is the other guys can get out except for him. So <laughs> he's stuck in the goddamn cage. They couldn't get it. Oh, my God. This is just getting ridiculous. And then so you have the rest of the people from the Blackpool Combat Club and Ortiz to come help out with Eddie. Uh, they had Chris Jericho miss his move. Eddie missed his move. But not like miss as in like one ducked under. At least they were supposed to fucking have contact. And then they completely obviously didn't hit them uh, with the other person <laughs> selling. Uh, Sammy got involved at one part. And then Chris put the barbed wire around his arm. He got him with the Judas effect. And one, two, three. You know, Jericho lost in the pay-per-view. But just like MJF, just like everyone besides Orange Cassidy, basically. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the last match with him and Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston lost. So thanks for all that, Chris. And then I guess Eddie gets his shit back because he throws Chris Jericho in the spiderweb barbed wire thing that... Uh, Moxley and, and Kenny used in their terrible fucking death match. Uh, and Chris Jericho doesn't even get to sell it. They went right directly off the air because they were already over on time. Woof. That's all <laughs> I got to say. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, so this match fucking sucked. <laughs> I they were trying like you said at the beginning it, it was going okay then you get the weird shark cage uh, which apparently was irrelevant because Daniel Garcia can just slip through the bars anyways <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have barbed wire but it's not like barbed wire ropes like in ECW or uh, Impact it's just barbed wire kind of stretched around the ropes they try to use razor wire at one point um it started out good like the match started yeah. out good like it really did Kingston immediately grabbing the microphone and busting open uh, Jericho's head to start the match I was like okay this could be pretty good but this thing fell off the fucking rails or ran off the rails I should say um Eddie Kingston missed the spinning back fist by like a mile <laughs> It looked so ridiculous. That is a move that you can't miss and, and like, reset it up either. Because Jericho bounced to sell it. Ooh. Uh, this is not good. It sucks. <laughs> Chair just falling on his fucking face, busting him open more. I'm sure Jericho's really, really happy with Tony and, and everyone within the whole entire event that he gets cut off trying to sell how fucking terrible that whole entire bump must have been in the spider web while jr's just you know trying to like finish up the whole thing like my god that was a it was a mess well i mean what that's a, not it's not really on tony i mean you know you're in control of your time in the ring you know how much time you have it's probably because they had the to wait around <laughs> Honestly, Tony needs to tell the motherfuckers to tighten up a little bit, especially if we're approaching the second hour 
this has happened countlessly with Dynamite. We're getting towards the last match, and stuff's, you know, it's it's going to be too long for it. And, you know, you hear Tony uh, Shivani saying, he's bought extra time, so don't worry. That means that it's going to be really fucking quickly wrapped up, and there's going to be, like, nothing afterwards. And I'm sorry, but Tony, to some extent, Tony Khan needs to sometimes get rid of stuff that doesn't matter just to make sure he has enough time for the fucking main event to be fleshed out. Uh, this one actually involving a lot of flesh. But I, I mean, don't if know. you're gonna if you're gonna do the thing about doing a barbed wire match is if you're gonna fucking do it, like it needs to be its own thing. You don't need to put a hat on a fucking hat and try to build a female feud, a female wrestling feud inside of the match and also have a fucking shark cage because you're trying to put over shark wheat. It's a fucking barbed wire match. That's all it needs to be. Like, it's it's supposed to be one of the most gruesome matches you could have. You don't need all this other extracurricular bullshit. Um, I mean, just look at, like, Sabu versus Abyss or Sabu versus Terry Funk. Like, build to it if you want to do a barbed wire match. Like, build the match and then have just a barbed wire match. Don't throw it on a random fucking night on Wednesday and then do basically WWE book the shit and have way too much shit going on that no one cares about. Yeah, man, I got to agree with you. So anyways, <sighs> this match sucked. <laughs> should have just went with that and <laughs> moved on. It's true. We should have, but you know, I'm just, I don't know. This fuck. What the hell? All right, uh, Rampage last night. Started off, like we said, Butcher and Blade going against Adam Page and Johnny Hungry Silver. Um, I mean, Page and Silver pretty much beat them very quickly, and uh, that was it. I mean, it was a, it was a decent match. Uh, I just think the Butcher and Blade have been booked inconsistently uh, while they've been a W. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. Um, but, hey, Johnny Hungy's over with the crowd. So is uh, Paige. And uh, I love uh, John Silver's uh, German suplexes. They usually look really good. Um, but, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I'm tired of seeing these guys. I didn't care about this at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, Lee Moriarty, and I agree with you. Uh, versus, I, I was just, I guess I was just nicer. I don't know. Uh, Lee Moriarty, <laughs> Dante Martin. Dante Martin obviously had uh, uh, Matt Seidel in his corner. They had a good match. Lee Moriarty, you know, part because uh, Stokely Hathaway uh, came out and was just watching the match. He noticed him. You know, Stokely already made the offer towards him of, uh, you know, being a part of his group and Lee Moriarty left with him after beating Dante Martin by grabbing onto the ropes that I think it was Rick Knox. I'll just blame on Rick Knox, even though I think there's a situation where he actually made a look, he was covering it up, but uh, he beat him. Matt Seidel on the, the mic said, you know, you want to now not have um, any type of, uh, credibility or, or anything when it comes to your matches, he goes, you'll fight, you fought the student. Now you'll, t you'll fight the teacher. So we're going to see 
Lee Moore already beat the shit out of Matt Seidel next week. That's all I got from this. Uh, get Dante Martin away from Matt Seidel. Actually, Stokely, grab Dante Martin as well. Because, um, no offense to Matt, but uh, I don't think he's doing really great as a teacher. Right. Yeah, I I like Lee Moriarty a lot. I thought this match was pretty good. Um, I don't know that I'd necessarily want Lee Moriarty with Stokely Hathaway, but I guess that's what's happening. So we'll, we will see. That should be a pretty good match with uh, Matt Seidel and him next week. That might yes, be... Will. The, It'll probably be the best match on the show, honestly. Um, so I'm looking forward to that match. I just Dante Martin is basically the Dolph Ziggler <laughs> in this situation. He just goes out there and has good matches and loses every week. Essentially, yeah. I don't know. Well, at least, you know, Dante's brother definitely has been a little bit more cursed than he has. So... He's giving TV time. That poor bastard came back and fucking hurt himself again. First match back. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot that he was hurt again. I was going to say, if they're just going to have Dante Martin lose, maybe bring that tag team back. But, uh, yeah, for, I had forgotten that he got re-injured. That sucks. Hopefully he's will be back soon and is doing well. I had I'd forgotten about that. Yep. So everyone's uh, favorite Sky Blue uh, was with uh, Ashley D'Ambrose, um, and they went against, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker, and uh, they lost fairly quickly. And that's about it, I think. Uh, I Sky Blue did better in this match than I've seen her before. I know that every young wrestling mark has a crush on her, but uh, she, she did pretty well. I think D'Ambrose actually has a lot of potential. Um, but yeah, that's all I got from this. That was my notes. I just wrote squash match, so you had more notes than I had. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last match. Really good match between Jay Lethal and Christopher Daniels. This is the best and loosened up I've seen Christopher Daniels in a while, and maybe that's because he's had a big pause. He's had, a, uh, I think, like a couple matches on Impact. And other than that, he's been kind of chilling. But him and Jay Lethal... You know, you can tell Fallen Angels' uh, age, I would say, but these guys have worked together a bunch. Uh, Jay Lethal ended up winning, and then they beat the living hell out of him, and uh, this is all to build up, obviously, with his match with Samoa Joe. That should be fucking awesome tonight on the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. So we'll talk about that in a second. Did you like this match with Jay Lethal and Christopher Daniels? I'm sure you've seen some iteration of this match several times, Chris. Yeah, I, I have. Um, there were some cool spots in this match. I like that Jay Lethal did the Chris Jericho dropkick at the beginning, at, towards the beginning of this match. Did you notice that? The little where Jericho jumps yep. on the top rope. And yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, they did pretty he much all of the, the spots uh, I would expect. He did. Uh, he tried to go for the muscle buster, and afterwards he choked him out with Samoa Joe's Kahuna clutch. But he also threw a little shade towards Ric Flair. Got a uh, got got a little bit of a uh, what you call it? Um, figure four on Christopher Daniels as well. So I thought that was very smart the way they planned that out. Yeah, I like that they they set that up where he go he tries for the figure four and basically uh, 
gets pushed out of it and he just hit, hit the lethal injection. I thought that was a cool setup for the finish of this match. I've seen better Jay Lethal and Christopher Daniels matches, but this was a really solid match on as far as like a rampage match goes. It was the best match so, on the show. Yeah, definitely. So apparently Daniels and also Cabana are, are going to be wrestling, but a lot, uh, you know, behind being a part of behind the scenes from what Tony Khan said. So um, that's good. I, I think that's actually intelligent. I mean, both of them are kind of very well known uh, for being a part of creative, but also being a part of Ring of Honor specifically. So if that's the case, if you guys want to listen, Tony did a whole entire uh, breakdown of uh, the pay-per-view, a big press conference. Really good stuff. And I would also suggest, I'm sure with the pre-show for Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, um, you're probably going to get a majority of what was a part of the special that they aired, I think on TNT or maybe it was TBS, uh, but was also on YouTube. So go to YouTube and watch that. It's awesome. It really gives a big feel and history of each feud. You know, I didn't know that Claudio almost got that world championship and it just was right underneath his fingers. He lost it. And shortly after that, he went to NXT and done WWE. I also didn't know Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe, their past and how Samoa, you know, I, I knew that he talked about how he helped him out at the beginning, but how Jay Lethal uh, lost to Samoa Joe for that title, the, the pure championship. And he kind of just, you know, beat the shit out of him afterwards and really apparently, quote unquote, stuck with Jay Lethal. So and then all obviously everything with the Briscoes, FTR, you'll see the Briscoes you know, talk about the, you know, with the Twitter thing that they put out for the rebuttal, but I would definitely recommend if you, if you're, if, if you're listening to this, you haven't watched death before dishonor, you want to watch it, watch the YouTube video building up this fight because it really helps out. Gives you a lot of history. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I'll, I will have to go check that out. Uh, how many people did Tony hug in this press conference, by the way? I'm sure about 19 of them. <laughs> Five of them might have felt a little bit violated because of too long. Just not not because he did anything, because it gets uncomfortable after a while because he starts crying and shit. And that's that's always fucking weird. So. But, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I definitely want to go check that out because I I, I didn't. I didn't see that. I mean, I obviously I watched a lot of this Ring of Honor. Oh, you know, hosted Chris. About. What's Which up? is a really good thing. Uh, it's it's all hosted by uh, Ian Riccoboni, and Caprice Coleman has a lot of stuff. So apparently they're going to still be the commentary team for Ring of Honor. I don't know if they're going to add someone from AEW to slide in there. I kind of hope wow. they don't. Uh, but apparently they're still on board with Ring of Honor. Both of them. It's a it's a hundred percent possible to just uh, have a two man booth. I know. <laughs> so hopefully they just keep it as is. And if they bring someone in, do it for like one match and make it somewhat important, like at CM Punk or something. I think that would be fine. Yep, I agree. All right, let's go over the pre-show matches uh, that will probably be aired for free like they normally are on YouTube. 
And like I said, I'm sure that you'll get this whole entire 40 minutes um, intro to the pay-per-view that they showed on YouTube probably in pieces throughout this. But all right, we have Allison Kay from NWA fame, Impact fame, uh, going against Willow Nightingale. I'm hoping that Willow gets that win. What do you think, Chris? You got Willow over Allison Kay? I do have Willow over Allison K in this match. I feel like that they're, you know, with her being on um, weekly at this, well, she's two out of the last three weeks on Dynamite and Rampage. I feel like that they see something in her and will probably give her a push. So I don't, I don't see any reason why you would let Allison K win here. So I'm going to say Willow Nightingale probably gets the win. All right. Cole Cabana is going against Anthony Henry. Um, I'm going to assume Cole Cabana is going to win this. Anthony is, shit, I think he was in NXT, but before that, he might have been at Ring of Honor, but Evolve. He's been in a bunch of stuff. I don't know him that well, but I feel like Cole Cabana will get the win. Yeah, I agree with you. Cole Cabana was in, on the pre-show at the last pay-per-view as well, right? Yep. Yeah, so I maybe he's just going to be continue to get wins <laughs> on the pre-show as a good favor to the old Ring of Honor audience. Yeah, definitely think that could be part of it for their reasoning. Uh, the Shinobi Shadow Squad, which is Cheeseburger and Eli Oz, I think it's uh, Ezom, uh, going against the Trustbusters, Arya Davari and Slim J. The reason why I'm going to pick Ari Davari and Slim J is that there's apparently, you know, they, they just showed a package on Rampage for Ari Davari, uh, but he has a new group together. I think they're going to be utilized more so on Ring of Honor, but it's him, Slim J, and then also Parker Bardot. Uh, so I'm assuming Parker's going to be at ringside with them and Mike get involved, but, you know, it's Cheeseburger and Eli. I think last time they got destroyed fairly quickly by a tag team. Might have been actually Tully Blanchard's guys. But, um, yeah, Cheeseburgers put on a little bit of muscle, man. Saw a picture. Uh, I still think that him and Leon Ruff should be called the quarter pounder as a tag team. (laughs) I like that. Um, Yeah, I – not to make this boring for everyone, but I'm going to have to agree with your prediction on this one as well. Uh, it, man, they have a lot of the same people on the pre-show. Uh, I just, I just recognize that as we look uh, from the, uh, from the last pay-per-view, but yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you here. Unfortunately for cheeseburger, this tag team has not done him the biggest favors since ring of honor has kind of kicked back into gear. Yep. Completely agreed. All right, so I like the guys they're going against. I like Blake Christian. I like what I've seen from Alex Zane. I like Tony Deppin, but they're going against Tully Blanchard Enterprise, and that's Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony, or Agony, um, with Tully, you know, at ringside. Uh, yeah, Tully Blanchard Enterprise is probably going to destroy these three dudes, Chris. Yeah, I agree. It's probably going to be like a three or four minute match. I see this thing going very quickly. All right, now we get the main card. Once again, none of this is confirmed in order. 
So I'm just reading what I have here. Uh, a brother's grudge match. We have Roosh uh, going against uh, his little brother, Dragon Lee. Just a match between the two of them. And I'm sure Andrade will get involved, and I'm sure Roosh will beat his brother, and then they might beat the shit out of him afterwards just to make it even more heelish. But this should be a good match, man. They've worked with each other a bunch of times. They're brothers, and they're both incredible wrestlers. I'm 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 sorry. I lost you for a second. Which match were we talking about? Apologies. No, you're good. It's uh, the the uh, uh, grudge match between brothers. Roosh against his brother Dragon Lee. Oh, man, that's a tough one to pick. I'm I'm gonna assume Roosh because they seem like they're gonna start giving him a push on Dynamite. But I hope that that's not how they're gonna start booking Ring of Honor. Um. Should be a really great match. Uh, who who did you end up picking in this one? I picked Roosh because of the potential of uh, Andrade getting involved. Yeah, yeah, okay. That makes sense because then you can not necessarily hurt Dragon Lee and, and still give Roosh a win. Yeah, okay. So I don't know this tag team, uh, but The Righteous, which is Vincent, and I don't know the other two gentlemen – Bateman and Butch, or Bateman and Dutch, uh, with Vita Von Starr, the Righteous, are going against Dalton Castle and the boys. The boys are Brent Tate and Brandon Tate. Um, well, I'm going to go with Dalton Castle and the boys, just because it's Dalton Castle and I love him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dalton Castle and the boys as well, much for the same reason. I wish that Dalton Castle was in a singles match on this show instead, but it's good to see that he's on the show. So I uh, can't wait for his entrance. That'll be fun. I wonder what he's going to oh, yeah. do this time. <laughs> All right, I'm really looking forward to this match. And they, they kind of, like I said in this uh, preview video, they really went over how Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb were in Ring of Honor in the late 2000s, and them and several other women were trying to get a woman's title involved within, you know, Ring of Honor itself. It never came into fruition, and now years later, Mercedes is the champion. Serena wants that championship. They have a lot of respect for each other, but they're both willing to do whatever to, to you know, either keep the championship or get the championship. And this should be a great match. But I'm actually, even though she's only had a couple title offenses, and most of them I think have been outside of AW, I'm going with Serena Deeb, Chris. Oh, I think this is our first disagreement on something <laughs> on this card so far. I'm going to go with Mercedes Martinez. I think it's too soon to take the title off of her, and she's a strong champion. I thought that she had a really good match against Willow to get the, I think, win the title, right? Because it was open at that point. Um and she looked good on all of her showings so far when she did show up to Dynamite. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Mercedes Martinez here. I would love for Serena Deeb to win the title. I just don't know that they're going to pull the trigger on that because I feel like they're still going to want to use her on Dynamite to put people over. So, um, That's a good point, for sure. But I like both ladies in this match. It should be an incredible match. All right, so for the Pure Wrestling, uh, Ring of Honor Pure Championship with Pure Wrestling rules, this should be an awesome match. 
And I got to say another thing about that preview episode uh, going over the feuds. Uh, Caprice Coleman has a sit-down interview, kind of like the one that they did separately with FTR and um, the Briscoes. But he talks with Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia. They rip into each other. They show some of the best mic work that either guys have done. And it really kind of added a lot of fuel to this because Willow Yuta feels like Daniel Garcia decided to go in the sports entertainment, you know, type of concept that he cares more about how the audience perceives him and that Yuta just wants to fucking fight him and just, you know, beat his ass basically that he claims he saw fear in the, uh, the blood and guts match from Daniel and that when he was slapping him, Daniel was backing down compared to him. And that, you know, Daniel Garcia says that, like, you can say all that, but I took your ass and fucking, you know, took you off the top ropes and body slammed you into a bunch of tacks. And then you were out of the match for the rest of it. So they got a lot of uh, aggression going towards each other. And I like the style of match. This is kind of random, though, you know, but that's how the pure rules are. But uh, I see Willer Yuta retaining against Daniel Garcia, Chris. I see them retaining as well. I hope that this doesn't turn into like a ref bump and then a bunch of run-ins because it kind of seems like that that might be something that happens. And and for the pure championship, I don't necessarily like that kind of thing. Um, I wish when they were running down this card on Dynamite Rampage, they did a better job of explaining what the pure championship is and what the rules are. Because I, I think if you, your transitional audience that doesn't know what this championship is, these matches can be kind of fucking uh, a bit confusing. That's a very, very good point. Absolutely. I would uh, say more recently, Impact did a really good job of explaining what this title was when, uh, well, at least what the style of match was when when the Ring of Honor Cats were doing Impact shows. I think they did a better job of explaining pure rules. Yeah, no shit. They're they're depending too much on people watching that special the one time they aired it after one of the shows or checking it out on YouTube, which is, I mean, let's be honest, AEW's always thinking that people watch YouTube as much as the fucking television. So, I don't know. Yeah, but only, I, I watch a lot of YouTube, but it's not it's not necessarily always wrestling related. I You know, with something like this, and if you're trying to get like if at that point don't even fucking talk about the pay-per-view on your TV show. You know what I mean? Like about, if you're saying it doesn't take, matter. <laughs> how about take each segment, cut them up and show them at different parts of your fucking show for the last couple weeks building up. You know? Uh, I don't know. But there has there has to be some other crap they could have eliminated from the last 3 weeks and to chop like, in some of these vignettes. Shouldn't that, that interaction between the Briscoes and FTR been a fucking segment on AEW? Yes, but isn't there – like the Briscoes are basically banned from TNT? I, I hope they come out with shirts that say like too hot for TNT or something <laughs> going into the match. Because isn't that the whole, the whole reason is that TNT doesn't want the Briscoes or Turner or whoever the hell owns TNT and TBS at this one, Discovery or whatever, doesn't oh, want it, them. It's – Turner owns it, but like you said, there's a new person in that game, and a lot of those executives that were in charge of these television shows have been laid off. So hopefully there will be some changes on the horizon. I don't think Tony would make the statement that the Briscoes haven't been on TV, but you know that doesn't mean they're not going to be unless 
he actually thought that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're trying if you're trying to sell the pay per view, the Briscoes right now, I think I think are one of the most over acts in all of AEW. Having that segment, at least they gave them the promo, um, but having that segment between them, that interaction on TV would have been awesome, especially if you're trying, like I said, if the idea is to draw people to the ring of honor product that maybe aren't ring of, weren't ring of honor fans to begin with. I think that's one that you could have definitely built off of. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, we have a grudge match. And like I said, they went into great lengths and detail about their rivalry, but Jay lethal is going against, Samoa Joe for that Ring of Honor World Television Championship, a uh, championship in which Jay Lethal, I think, has had twice and has the record for the longest uh, time uh, reign uh, for that title. So, I mean, here's the thing. Samoa Joe hasn't had, had many defenses. He had one with uh, Minoru Suzuki and maybe a couple here and there. You would think that Samoa Joe would hold on to it, but Jay Lethal has Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh uh, with him. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I kind of expect Samoa Joe to beat Jay Lethal because I feel like he hasn't really been able to defend that title that much. Hmm. I, I actually went the opposite with this. I think Jay Lethal is going to win for the uh, outside presence and then they'll just continue to feud. Um, and then Jay Lethal is going to walk into a match against Ric Flair holding the Ring of Honor Television Championship, I guess. That's. My prediction. It's very possible. All right. Jonathan Gresham, the Ring of Honor world champion, uh, with Tully Blanchard in his corner, probably, I'm assuming, against Claudio Casanoli with William Regal probably in his corner, I'm assuming. Um, look, William Regal will be really dumb if he goes on commentary with Caprice Coleman and Ian Riccoboni and allows Tully to chill at ringside and fucking help out. Jonathan Gresham. But when it's all said and done, I love Jonathan Gresham. I think he's had some great matches. He's held that title for a while. I would love to see Claudio be able to get that championship. I think that'll hold it proud. He'll bring more, you know. I mean, look, let's look at the, uh, the, the, I was about to call him the Bullet Club. The uh, Blackpool Combat Club, they have the world champion, the interim world championship title. Um, there is a good chance that Willie Uta is going to retain the Ring of Honor Pure title. I think it would be pretty cool if Claudio had that world championship or Ring of Honor as well. Um, but who knows? The heels could win because of heel shit. But I'm going with Claudio, Chris. I'm going to go with Claudio as well. And I think this is going to be an awesome moment um, if you're a long-term Claudio or Cesaro fan just because he's never heard of, held a world title. Um, so I, I got him winning here. For that reason and uh, just making Blackpool Combat Club dominant uh, should be a great fucking match. It, I'm trying to think of what my match of that. Well, we know what the match of the night's going to be. But out, outside of the obvious with FTR and the Briscoes, um, this probably will be the best other match on the show. All right. So we have what I'm considering the main event, mostly because this is the last thing they covered. After the championship match on that that uh, Ring of Honor preview YouTube thing on AEW's channel, um, and it just makes sense, man. This is a fucking huge match. It's one of the biggest matches because of the last match and the reception of that. FTR, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships, 
They're going against the Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark Briscoe, in a two out of three falls match. I've already said it. You know, we'll see what happens with FTR and the uh, AEW championship. But the Briscoes taking off those Ring of Honor titles are not going to, I don't think it's going to hurt them. It solidifies them within Ring of Honor. They have the match. That's something that more built for them with a two out of three falls match. I think this just makes a bit of sense. And FTR has been on such a high. You know, everyone once in a while deserves like a little slap back in reality. So maybe this will pump them up and try to drive them to go after Swerve and Keith Lee since they've been (laughs) second place, like I said, on the standings. Oh, no, no, first when it comes to uh, second underneath the champions, I should say. Um, for the tag team AEW championships for, I don't know, a month and a half now. Dax has been showing that. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I think they can get a loss. I think the Briscoes should win this. But I will say in this situation, if FTR wins, I'm not going to have that much of a problem with it either because I love both these tag teams. So I, I'm going to pick the Briscoes winning here, and, and the reason being is that they're going to take FTR to deep waters uh, in the two out of three falls. I think this will go all three falls. Um, and they're fat this time. Yeah, they're well-rested. They're not wrestling 78 matches in one week or whatever. So I I think it's fine if the Briscoes win here, especially if they're not immediately going to be on any kind of streaming platform with Ring of Honor and not showing up to Dynamite or until they get all that worked out, them having the titles, I don't think is the worst thing. And then FTR, uh, after the match, you can have FTR get attacked and the Briscoes return the favor of making the save. And you can set up FTR versus the young bucks, which I think everybody wants anyways. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be for the tag titles. And you can have, you know, whoever wins that match challenge, uh, swerve and Keith Lee. That's prob that's what I would do. Uh, but we will see. It's going to be a great fucking match. I've been looking forward to this match uh, since the last match. (laughs) No shit. Yep. I will have to agree with you. This is going to be a fun pay-per-view. We covered a lot of stuff, but before we leave, Chris, you know, both me and you admittedly have not uh, caught the last couple episodes of Impact. You caught this episode, you also talked about the New Japan G1 tournament. Uh, do you want to give us any type of update with that before we get out of here? Uh, I will say the last episode of Impact was very, very good. Um, the main event was Motor City Machine Guns versus each other, and is incredible. Uh, I don't. Do you want the spoilers for that, or I'll have to pull up all of the results? If <laughs> Hold on, let me get the results pulled up and I will go through that. Uh let's see. You can just spoil the main event if you want. It doesn't really it's whatever you wanted to do. Da, 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 da. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't, I can't find, uh, I can't find the results. So, um, I don't, they weren't on 
that that match wasn't on um, Thursday's show. It was recorded, so I don't know. Like, I probably shouldn't spoil it. I can talk about the other stuff on the show. Speedball Mac, Mike Bailey had a uh, tag or a title match against Alan Angels. He retained. It was a pretty good match. Um, Rich Swan went against oh man um, Mahabali. Shira, I believe. I, I always pronounce that shit wrong. And um, Shira won that match. It was it was pretty decent. Um, trying to think if there was anything else of, of real note. James Storm showed up, and he's looking for Moose, so they're building that. Hell yeah. Which will be pretty good. Any um, Anything specific about the G1 tournament? Uh, who's in the lead, if you remember all that? Right now, there's a bunch of ties um, in the G1. I got up to night four results. I think there, I think there's another night tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let's see here, tournament results. I know that um, there was a three-way tie in both blocks uh, at the at the top, which tends to happen at the beginning of the tournament. Let's see if we can get that pulled up. Uh, I right now, surprisingly, Yano <laughs> has two points in the tournament already. Jesus um, that was <laughs> that was part of uh, part of it uh, in in the tournament. Also, you have your uh, Kazuchika Okada has uh, two points. Let's see why the hell can I not find the results here? Here we go. It's pulling up. Yeah, so the the leaders right now in the A block is uh, Okada. The B block is Jay White. Um, the C block is actually Aaron uh, Hanare, if I'm not mistaken, and then Will Ospreay in the D block. So they're setting up with some very strong strong folks there. The uh, The most exciting block of the tournament so far has been the A block because it has – uh, Okada, uh, Jeff Cobb, Jonah, and Lance Archer. So that's going to be to me the most interesting to watch because there's just some uh, hosses in there. And also you get uh, Tom Lawler. He made his debut in New Japan. Uh, I sent you the video. <laughs> he basically came out in booty shorts and then kind of stripped <laughs> in the middle of the ring before his first match. Uh, he won his first singles match. He's lost both tag matches he was in. And his first actual G1 match is going to be going up against um, uh, Okada. So that in itself is going to be really, really fun. Wow. I, yeah. You know, that's going to be awesome as a wrestler. They're like, okay, it's your first time in New Japan. You're going to be in the G1, and your first match is Kazuchika Okada. <laughs> You're like, thanks, guys. Like, it's like, cool, man. I'm going to drop on my back right now because I have no problem with it. Um, <laughs> give me yeah, a match. Uh, but, I mean, the thing about the G1, though, is that he he probably will have a good shot at winning. Um, from last night's, I only I only watched. Uh, I only watched one match, and that was Zack Sabre Jr. Versus uh, Aaron Hanare. 
and uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Saber won one. Uh, it wasn't that long though; it was only 14. He hit a. Uh, I think he he won he won by submission. I, I can't remember what that move's called. It's like a knee bar. I think there's a name. I think he has a name for it, but I can't remember. Anyways, he won with a knee bar. So technically, I, I was wrong. Technically, Zack Saber Jr. is now in the lead. Um, the other matches from last night was uh, tournament match was. Uh, da, 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 da. Actually, that was the only that was the only tournament. Nope, no, nope, no, nope, there wasn't. Uh, you had Yoshihashi versus Shingo Takage. Uh, Shingo won that match. I did. I haven't watched it yet. Kazuchiko Okada versus uh, Yano. Um, Okada won that match. I probably won't watch that match just because I've seen that match a ton. It's not very good. And uh, the last tournament match was Ishii versus Jay White, and uh, Jay White won. So. Uh, he has four points. Okada has four points. Takagi has two. Saber has four points. Um, so, I mean, the setup to this is going to be probably in the finals. You're going to have Okada, Jay White, uh, Will Ospre- or Zack Saber Jr., and probably Will Ospreay, I would think. I'm not mistaken. That, that'll probably end up being kind of where those blocks break down. Uh, as far as predictions for the winner, I'm just going to go with who I always pick. <laughs> I'm going to go with Okada. But I could see Jay White winning this uh, as well. As far as, like, I'm overall. Gonna, I'm going to go for Will Ospreay. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad choice. He's he's out here pissing off Kenny Omega, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, funny. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, he's like, he's like, people are going to think that I'm setting something up, but no, I just, I don't like him. He's a cunt. Uh, he's, he's still, he still holds ill will, I think, towards Kenny because Kenny still, I don't know. And I mean, they went over it right now with the whole New Japan AEW thing, but like how Kenny, like Excalibur talked about how Kenny was thinking the next Gaijin talent was either Jay White or Will Ospreay, and he went with Jay White, and I mean, Jay White might have more championships than, uh, or championship for the IWGP specifically than Will, but I feel like there might be some realness to all that, and that Will kind of holds it against Kenny. So, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, possibly. He also may not just he may be one of the many people that weren't super happy about the way Kenny and the Young Bucks left. You know, kind of put Probably. that company in a bad spot. So if there are ill will, then I'm sure they can put their differences aside to give us a match. <laughs> hey, as as long as we can get – and yeah, I mean, who was it? I think uh, during the uh, Montreal – well, not Montreal, the rivalry Shawn Michaels-Bret Hart episode, Jerry Lawler said they what, – what the hell uh, – Real life rivalries make money was in Tennessee's, uh, you know, office that <laughs> well, because it's true. It really does. So, I mean, next year, if we can get forbidden door Okada and, and, uh, Brian Danielson and then Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay sign me the fuck up, please. Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, that shit's funny with Will Ospreay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, 
love Will Ospreay. He's got, you know, I mean, the thing is, Chris, and it's it's funny. Um, you know, Brian Last has talked about it. I've heard other people talk about it, but apparently, Kenny can be a little bit of a uh, a diva. Um, I liked so his who- response on Twitter to Will Ospreay using uh, was it at Rev Pro where he used he the one wing angel. <laughs> Kenny, you what bought is- a fucking blow-up doll in DDT. <laughs> That's DDT. Everyone fights that blow-up doll, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, that, it's fun. He said, he, I, Kenny was like, well-executed. You're being kind of petty or so. I can't remember, but it was like, it's kind of like he just no-sold it. So maybe this isn't a, <laughs> maybe it is just a real-life feud. I was expecting more. Um, but yeah, I guess Kitty's like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't hey, care were the matches between Sean and Brett great? Were the matches between Edge and Matt Hardy great? Were the matches between whoever that did Kevin not like Sullivan and Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit? <laughs> or uh, Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was nice seeing Karen, uh, Karen, almost called her Karen Angle, Karen Jarrett, uh, again, in those videos for the setup to the Ric Flair. Down Ric Flair. She all of a sudden started kicking him, too. She was like, <laughs> asshole. I like, that she, that- I like she wore the business, the white business pantsuit just so she could get <laughs> Rick's blood all over it. <laughs> it's very yeah, Jim were- Cornette of her. <laughs> what the hell is... Is Rick blading for a fucking promo video? Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> He's Rick Flair. He's, he wants to go out with a bang. I am glad <laughs> that they changed that. I am so glad that they changed that to a tag match. And like you said, we'll talk about, about it more next week. But I am glad that that ended up being a tag match. Because um, I think it, it'll help Rick. Yeah, and the main reason we're not doing it now, guys, is because, yeah, it's it's not this weekend. It's next weekend, but stuff could be added to the card. Originally, FTR was on that card, so I'm assuming maybe they reworked the match when they came up with this new concept. Uh, because the, from what I was told, it was supposed to be FTR and Flair versus Steamboat and the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, Robert decided to not do that. Ricky's with his uh, son, Kerry, going against uh, an awesome team of Brock Anderson and fucking Brian Pillman Jr. with Arn in their corner. The whole thing just sounds awesome. And I'm actually looking forward to that event almost as much as SummerSlam, if not more. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, I mean, they, they put out a fucking stacked card. When they originally announced this, I, I thought that, you know, there would be some good stuff on it. But that the card looks really, really good. It's going to be a real fun pay-per-view, even if you're even if you're down on Ric Flair. Um, there's a lot of other good shit on that show that you should probably tune in and watch. Not only and the videos on YouTube, I, I will say the the way they set it up with the little press conference, Jeff Jarrett kind of being the Tennessee ambassador and Rick just laying into him and his dad, and it's like the way they're doing it is pretty good. Like this this is something that could be realistic, and then to have the parking lot scene, I thought it was excellent. Him t- telling Jay he wasn't you know good enough to be on the card and he has nothing to do with it, but he's not really a prime time player, and I I I think it's excellent. We have one more episode. With the contract signing between Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett against Ric Flair and Andrade. And in the preview, Jay Lethal says basically like, oh, okay, so you're not even like 
on anyone's level here. You're just the, you're the son-in-law uh, to Ric Flair and like Andrade getting up and getting all pissed and shit. They're doing a good job on YouTube with whoever the fuck's doing their videos and shit. Yeah, I it's I enjoyed the shit out of those. Um, it, it I loved the second one specifically it, when they were showing Rick Train with uh, Jay Lethal and and some of the shots of him as a kid and how excited his mom would be that he's now helping get Ric Flair back in shape and talking like that was really, it's really well done. Um, it shows that it doesn't have to be overcomplicated to tell a really good wrestling story. And I think that they've managed to do that. Um, tying in Crockett to it just as like cherry on top of what could have just been a good feud between Rick and Jay lethal. Yeah, no, it, it's, Good storytelling. There's a lot of good stuff. And I, I will say, man, I know that Contra- Conrad is on top of all of this type of shit, and he's doing a great job just being a wrestling fan. Now, the fact that – it's so weird because he married uh, Megan, uh, Rick's daughter, after him and Rick initially had a podcast. He was just known for being a historian within the industry but also buying a lot of Rick's robes, and that's how him and Rick inevitably got a friendship, and then he married his daughter – and now he has like 50 fucking podcasts, you know, run Starcast, and like I said, is is helping uh, book this whole entire event and helping out with the creative behind it. But that guy, he busts his ass off, man. I, I have to say, for uh, he's a rich fan and he's made a lot of money uh, doing what he does with mortgages and shit like that. But uh, I mean, above and beyond, have you? You know, I don't think I'm going to marry one of my favorite wrestlers' daughters. So <laughs> after I buy yeah. all the, he's a he's a very interesting cat, that's for sure. Especially like kind of how he got into this, and hey, if this star cast goes really well, maybe he can uh, make this like a once a quarter type thing, four times a year. Because if it's just this card, you're basically getting like a forbidden door super show type deal between all of these different products, MLW, you're getting some legends come in, you're getting some impact guys. Uh, if you can grow that and continue, just to put, yeah, that's true. WWE sure. guy, you're getting a uh, triple It's uh, I think it's cool. I think they can continue to build that hell. The, uh, the triple a match they have on that card is literally what they had at the last triple mania minus one person for <laughs> For the main event, so there's like I said, there's a lot of good shit on that card. Well, I'm just happy that wrestling's going to be doing some different things in the next couple of weeks. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, I miss a lot of people that are still injured, like a lot. Happy for Cody to get the SB for biggest moment, even though it should have gone to CM Punk. Still love Cody for that. Um, but yeah, man, this is a uh, this is the end of the show. Any last comments? Yeah, I, I agree. I do think, I mean, it's good that Cody won it and I'm happy for him, but the, the, that moment wasn't bigger than CM Punk's return. Uh, that being said, no, I don't have anything else. If you guys want to talk to me, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter or Dane Alves on either Instagram or Facebook. Hit me up. We'll have a conversation about pro wrestling. Also, if you're a new listener, we do this show once a week, usually record it on a Saturday, and we'll have it out by Monday. 
um, for you guys to listen to. So just, you know, subscribe to Geek Fives Nation. Just subscribe to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You'll find out uh, information of when we're putting out shows and we're on all your downloadable platforms, whether it be YouTube Music, whether it be iTunes, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, any of them. Just search in Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Be a part of the conversation, and we will talk to you on the next show of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you guys so much. As always, peace out.